Our guest today is a multi-sport athlete, ultra runner, professional chef, self-described advocate and activist for body politics, and a five-foot-three-inch Brooklynite force of nature Latoya Shante Snell, also known as the Running Fat Chef. A quick glance at her athlete's profile shows 112 races completed, over 1,200 miles finished, and in a span of just 28 days, she crossed finish lines at the Chicago Marathon, Havilene 160K, and the TCS New York City Marathon. She's a brand ambassador for Trek Bikes, a sponsored Hoka One One athlete, and yet she spends at least part of her time answering her critics who say she doesn't, quote, look like a runner. She talks openly about her DNFs, her detractors, and the additional struggles that have strengthened her as an athlete, woman, wife, and mother. She's on a mission to emancipate herself in order to help others see the power in themselves, and judging by her success both in and outside of racing, it's working. So if you're ready for the show, crank it up and let's go. Welcome to the Athlinks Podcast. I am your host, Troy Busso, coming to you from the sun-soaked wind farm that is Broomfield, Colorado today. It's February 12th, uh, 2021. No, it's February 22nd, 2021. And this is episode 33. <laughs> How are you today, LaToya? I am doing phenomenal. Awesome. Well, it's great to have you on the podcast. Is it? Do you go by LaToya? Yes, I go okay. by Latoya um, and Shantae. Unfortunately, um, I didn't realize I was actually going to be in the like you know in the public space so much. Yeah. Um, maybe I would have thought about this maybe twice <laughs> before putting out my entire name. Yeah. Um, one article completely changed my life, and it's like, is it L Shantae? Is it Latoya Shantae? And I'm like, just just go with the whole serial killer name thing because yeah. like you know all serial perfect. killers have three names. So I'm like, hey, listen, you know you'll never forget me. Like one of those names, you'll get it. Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, John. Wayne Gacy, you, yeah, right. That's right. In. Well, now it's like, yeah, you can go and you could become a serial killer, and it wouldn't really change your life all that much. Right? Yeah. Like yeah. I mean, you know, it'll just be kind of like one of those things, experience. But no, th th that's definitely not in my ministry. I don't want that. Okay, I agree. It's probably not a good good career choice. No, 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 yeah. no, thank you. They'd find you out really fast too. You have, <laughs> right. you have too much social media presence. No, I, no, I, I'm officially. Uh, well, I guess the term would be Googleable. Yeah, um, if that's Googleable. even a term, yes. yes. Um, yes. so it's I, I would go nowhere. Um, especially not with this hair color. Like, no. it's, I, I'm I'm not good. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not good for that one. Yeah, and even at what did you just say you were five three. Right, yeah. I'm five three and a half. And you See, still stand out in the crowd. Right, I still I have to mention the five three and a half. You know, because um, short lives matter. Uh, uh -huh. Hey, I'm with you. I'm exactly. So everybody made fun of Doug Flutie because he was five eight and a half. I am five eight and a half exactly, wow. and I cannot leave that half inch on the table because I mm -hmm. need it. I'm I'm it not a matters. tall man. Yeah, my <laughs> wife once told me when we were dating, she said, "You know, if you were six one, you'd be perfect." And it's like, whoa, 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 wait a sec. Like, it's not yeah, like I'm six foot. Right. Like I'm several like, inches away from six one. <laughs> Like, I am much more than my height. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know what to do with that. You might as well have said, if you were a woman, you'd be perfect. Like, I'm nowhere oh. near 6'1". Come on. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah, kind of broke my heart a little. But tomorrow is our 20-year wedding anniversary, so we've oh. we've made it through. So Congratulations. Far. So far, just, thank you. I literally just uh, celebrated 20 years of being my husband and 14 married. Um, we're high school sweethearts. Nicely and done. You know, I, I look at it as I haven't, you know, um, killed him yet. And yeah. he hasn't killed me. So we're succeeding. We're, yeah. we're definitely winning. You know, that's it. We, we still like each other. Yeah. We still love each other. Yeah. And, you know, we only want to choke each other out like once a week. So that's, yeah. that's a great, that's a great that's record. It. Like, 
Yeah. <laughs> 100%. No, it's like when you have kids, I'm like, you know, my, my, my firstborn was a son and I was like, you know, he'll be playing strong safety for Arizona State one day. And then fast forward 17 years later, you just like stay out of jail. Just stay right. out of jail. We're good. Right. We're right. good. Just become a productive member of society. I don't care about all the other <laughs> stuff. So <laughs> expectations tend to change over the years. But Yeah. No, I mean, but that's, the, that's the thing about, you know, like being a parent, like being a parent, it humbles you. Like, you know, sometimes as parents, we want to infuse parts of ourselves into our kid. And it's like, you know, well, why don't you be a lawyer and a doctor and a scientist? And I'm just like, you know, I remember being that age and I'm like, I just want to see how far my spit bubble goes. Like, yeah. can, can we just take it from there? Yeah. You know, if I followed everything that my parents wanted me to be, I would probably be a miserable accountant right now. Um, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, so it's no, I mean, you, you gotta, you gotta trust what you put into your kids and what you teach your kids, you know, from young, from the moment that they're born and hope that at least 10% of it sticks. There you, you know? go. Um, yeah. That's my goal right now with my, you know, my teenager, you know, just my goal is to get him to believe in deodorant, you know, just, <laughs> just a little bit, you know, just, just put this, rub the deodorant on, son. I, I, I promise you it's life changing. Yeah. We even got a natural deodorant because he doesn't, like the aluminum doesn't mm -hmm. work well with him. Yep. And I'm like, now you have no excuses, son. I will supply you with endless deodorants. There you go. If you just put it on and shower. It's really kind of a, it's a very simple key to success, especially for boys, for sure. Yes. Yeah. The scary part, this is episode 33, and this is the second teenage child deodorant conversation we've had on the podcast. So it's yeah, real. It's a running theme for sure. <laughs> all right, let's get you introduced here because we're going to get all the way into our conversation and we'll forget to kind of give the, the listeners some background on you. So we are talking to uh, Latoya Shante Snell, the full serial killer name for you, the full yes. name for you. Also <laughs> known as Running Fat Chef is your blog. Yes. Um, and I have so much to say about so much of your life and persona and everything. So I'm going to, I'm going to avoid saying it now because I think it's going to fit in with some of these stories we're going to be telling here. But, um, you know, it's funny, probably about a third of our podcast guests, I would say, come from me just like scrolling through Instagram and, and just like reading people's wow. stories and things like that, or, you know, being, and then you, okay, I just interviewed this person, they're following these people and everything. And you're like, you've come up several times. And then I think you actually know or somehow connected um, uh, with uh, Molly, who works for us in marketing. Um, it's Molly Hodel. Um, is it Molly, uh, Molly Hodel? Uh, Molly, uh, oh my God, she's going to murder me. I, well, I, I call her Molly Brannigan of, of the 80s because I couldn't remember yes. her first name. Yes. And so it's Molly Brannigan. She's literally in my phone as Molly Brannigan, and I'm drawing a blank on her last name. We're going to move past this. I'm going to re-edit her last name in there so she won't strangle me for... Uh, like, um, like uh, we have to talk. Yeah, there's... Um, <laughs> Oh, I think I'm, I'm, somebody's due a raise now. I'm gonna have to pay more. Okay. Anyway, but, um, anyway, so I just kept, you know, I was like, I mean, it's easy to look amazing on, on Instagram and you're so colorful and all this other stuff, but then I'm reading your story. I'm reading your posts. You're a great writer. The chef side, first off, can I come to your house and have dinner one day? Oh, absolutely. Yes, yeah. please. Like, like holy I, I'm, smokes. That is what's driving me crazy with this whole pandemic. I am used to hosting. Mm -hmm. um, like, don't get me wrong. I love running and cycling and all these, you know, adventures. But like my, my, my joy comes from being in the kitchen oh my God. and being able to host 
for like large events. Like it's yeah. just something that I've grown up. Like there's something about food that, you know, you can really do more than just make people feel happy and fulfilled, but you get really powerful stories at the kitchen table. Mm. And I just miss that, that layer, you know, especially as we've yeah. been in this for a year, you know, mm. um, I miss that layer. Yeah, I hear you. I'm I'm with you, and man, I I'm looking at some of your your photos and videos of the the food you cook, and oh my god, it shows your love for food shows. I mean, it oh, looks, yeah. and it looks oh man, I don't know, it just looks <laughs> delicious. I was getting all hungry this morning looking through your feed, but um, <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about just kind of how you grew up first, because um, you are like. It's funny, so because I, I, I want to know sort of your athletic background leading in. You popped up on Athlinks. I was looking at um, at your profile, and it was um, eh, I don't know around twenty. Was it fourteen? All of a sudden, you just pop up, and you've been like you have a lot more results than I do on my own platform. I, oh I, wow! Yeah, I should be. <laughs> I'm shaming myself now. But um, yeah, you had I think it was like 110 results on Athlinks, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere in in that neighborhood. Right. A bunch of great performances and stuff. But then I'm looking through your feed, and I want to draw everybody's attention. First off, follow LaToya. Um, and what are you? I am Shantae. Is that your handle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am El Shantae. Yeah, yes. I am El Shantae. Um, there's a post November 24th, 2020. You are doing this ridiculous medicine ball workout, like one arm, sort of like these extend, this core workout. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, at five, you're an amazing athlete. Like the, some of the things that you're doing are really impressive, very impressive. And so, like, were you an athlete growing up? No, no, no. Um, no like it's, I was definitely one of those kids that wanted to learn how to ride a bike. I mm. fell, and I was like, you know what? Done. This is not for me. Wow. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I don't want this. Um, when I tried to learn how to swim, I almost drowned. I was like, you know oh. what? That's not for me. Um, a game of tag may have turned into a boxing match. So the, the only thing I thought that I would wow. probably do would be boxing. That was uh. all that I saw because it was something that I used as a connection with my dad. Um, uh. Whenever we had uh, really, like, you know, really powerful moments, it was either in between lots of profanity because uh. that's what boxing matches pull out of you. Sure. Um, you know, like, I mean, of course, I was like, seven, eight, you know, I yeah. couldn't exactly curse, but in my head, I was cursing. Oh, yeah. You know, um, <laughs> and my, I was saying all different types of F words in my head. But, um, you know, what I love is that the kitchen and boxing matches would just take us down this rabbit hole of being able to see how sports and actually get you connected with people. Mm, okay. um, it was the level of peace that we, you know, that we had in our household that sometimes wasn't exactly... Um, it wasn't always positive. Mm. It wasn't always um, glamorous. Um, there are layers that, you know, my dad's been gone for 12 years, but there are certain layers um, about my dad that was not exactly the, the most uh, beautiful things that you would want to put down yeah. in a bio or have someone speak on your legacy. But he was one hell of a teacher. Mm. Was he a boxer and a boxing coach? or? or oh, no, no. Oh. Well, I mean, uh, no. <laughs> Just a fighter. Um, if you mean box people, no, maybe, okay. <laughs> maybe, you know, but no, my, my dad, um, you know, and it's crazy. I literally just did, um, I, I realized that I say this a lot. My dad, um, when I write about him, I always write about him almost like he's a mythical creature. Mm. And I'm like that one time when my dad did this, like he was just always so physically strong, mm. but mentally, when I think back to him, 
I realized how much she was spiritually broken. Mm, okay. um, and sometimes it showed in his rage. Okay. You know, sometimes it would reveal itself in the things that he viewed as shortcomings, particularly the things, the standards that we kind of hold on men. Um, a little bit more than sometimes that we hold on women. We, yeah. um, you know, what women, especially particularly as a black woman, I'm always told, you know, the strong black woman thing. And I'm just like, okay, that's kind of overrated. Like, mm-hmm. you know, can we actually hold space for vulnerability? And when I think about my dad, I oftentimes think about him now, him being gone for 12 years. I wonder who held vulnerability for him mm-hmm. um, because he's always been put into these leadership roles. He's always been the person that was the go-to person that always had to answer questions on the fly to, to, to be the person that looks over everyone. He's the oldest of 10. Okay. And, you know, even though he's a dynamic, he was a dynamic storyteller. I realized how well he told his stories that he could mask his pain. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't the person that would show you his scars. You know, he would just make fun of the scars and say, yeah. oh, how did they exist? Yeah. Um, but if you watch long enough and hard enough, you realize that was a man that was suffering. Yeah. You know, uh, and I see it in myself at times. Would he use humor around? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, definitely. Like that. I mean, the thing is, I, I recognize that even with myself that I realized quickly if I kept people laughing, then it would not make me a punching bag or yeah. a target. Um, if I can make you laugh, then it would distract you enough to, to not see how much you might hate something that uh, yeah. surfaced about me or, yeah. um, you know, maybe it would it would help me evade from something that might turn abusive. Um, and that was the way that we both kind of navigated. We were so similar. Um, now I can see that with him being gone. I can see yeah. that we were very, very similar. Do you, do you find, because I, I was reading on your blog, I think on the About Us page or something where it said something to the effect of like, you were sick of being the funny fat friend. Yes, and so. Definitely. Do you do you feel like it was a negative for you to use that level of 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 humor to sort of brush things off and maybe not deal with things, or do you think it's just keep the humor and that, but then also deal with the things? Were you just not dealing with the emotional side of that, like you know, again, kind of preemptive sabotage to try to laugh at myself before you can laugh at me? Yeah, you know, the thing is, like most things, like a lot of things uh, we do, our behaviors is are things that we is learned behavior. So when I saw my dad get out of really hard situations with humor, I looked at it as when I was being targeted, especially growing up as an 80s baby. Like I was born in 85. I'm 35, will be 36 this year. And when I reflect on how you process certain things that sometimes in uh, in black communities, uh, I won't say all, but I would say in you know in my community, I grew up in Bed Stuy, Crown Heights, East New York, Brooklyn, and during those times, there was no room for you to sulk, right. um, because then you will instantly gaslit as soft. Um, you're not mm. keeping up with everyone else, and then it made you a bigger target. So when you don't have that room or that space to say that I'm not feeling well today and I just want to sit in my feelings at this moment, you start to find and explore other avenues of how to cope with those things. And for me, it came through sarcasm. It came through humor. It came from being really quick. Um, I speak metaphorical most of the times. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes those things surface in my writing and I'm like, can I turn off this poet? (laughs) That is constantly... You know, like it's always going off my head. And I mean, I explored open mics for like, you know, for a number of years and even traveled doing that. 
But what I realized is that I would say these things because I was trying to prevent my inner circle from using me as a punchline. Mm. And I'm like, if I put it out there, almost like the way that Eminem does it in 8 Mile, if I diss myself yeah. just enough, yeah, yeah. now you have nothing to throw at me because it is very, is much, it's one thing to try to hide certain truths. Yeah. It's another thing when you put it out there and nobody can weaponize it because you've already made it a punchline. Comedians yeah. do it well. Yeah, yeah. They do it. They, the, some of the most powerful or amazing comedians of our lifetime literally use their own pain and they turn it into uh, you know, a comedy sketch or they use it as part of their stand-up. You know, yeah. when you think about the Richard Pryors of this lifetime, they use their own shortcomings or their their, you know, their high moments to raise a laugh out of a community, even though we're all kind of collectively mourning. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, quite literally, um, uh, what Pitch Perfect, uh, Rebel Wilson's character comes up and is like, I'm Fat Amy. And they're like, you call yourself Fat Amy? And she's like, yeah, I'm doing it before you skinny bitches can do it to me. Right. I mean, quite literally, right? right? I mean, that was the right. whole premise of her character. Yeah, that's, um, that's interesting. Um, okay, so you don't grow up athletic you grew up in what sounds like a somewhat volatile household but with a you know a father you clearly loved but obviously yeah. a lot of conflict there right. and so do you um like when it, i mean it sounds like it, it just stopped me if i'm being too imposing on my questions or things but like was it was it kind of a there's a chicken and egg here uh, were you always heavy no no, no, no. Okay. I was the complete opposite end of the spectrum. So that, that's the reason why I, I consider myself, um, when I think about my, um, a lot of the things that I'm, uh, especially particularly in body positive movements, um, or what I consider as body politics, because I, sometimes I feel like body positivity only kind of talk about the marketing mm -hmm. these days. It's like, okay, well, I'm visually here. And I'm like, what about the rest of the work? Yeah. What about the mental? What about the things that's kind of gray area? Um, when I think about growing up, I was actually being teased for being the big head, small body, you know, muscular girl. Like I would, I had six, I had a six pack abs. Like huh. I look back at those pictures and I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I was that small. Yeah. You know, um, and, and then it was the, it was a big craze during the nineties to have the Coca-Cola bottle shape. Everybody had to look like Nia Long mm -hmm. in my neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Like you have to have the boo. Then you got to have the booty and got the little small waist. It's like, oh, you know, gee, that, that's the person that you want to go after. So when they would see me, they were like, that's a box. Mm. You know, they would, they would scream out, hey, Gina. You know, like, because I would have that's the funny. big Gina-sized head, even though I think that, you know, I think that she's a dynamic character. Um, I thought she was beautiful and loud. And it was like probably one of the people I actually identify with because I'm loud. Yeah. And I do have like a, well, I do have like a kind of a large head. And that's cool. <laughs> like I embrace it now in my adulthood, you know. But as a kid, you know, those things, they feel like an end all be all. You realize how much your body image can make or break or have people assume what you're capable of. So these people would just look at me and they would instantly think she's small, um, so she's a good target. Mm. And my way around it was humor. Okay. My way around uh, some of those things was to make fun of how small I was yeah. or the lack of boobs that I had that made me look like a quote-unquote box or mm. rectangle. And, you know, so I experienced that other side of being 98 pounds, okay. being short, and not being able to pick up any weight whatsoever. 
and not I'm trying to figure out where do I fit in? Like I actually celebrated when I gained a little bit of weight. I was like, mm. great. I'm right where I'm at. People actually visually like me. And what I see in hindsight is I'm much more than just my visual representation. Of course. Yeah. Were you happier? Like, uh, like, did you feel better at one weight or the other? Or was it, or was it more the emotional side of what you saw was so outweighing any physical um, feelings that you had? Definitely, um, definitely mental. Um, definitely, I'm, I'm more of a feeler yeah. than uh, like when I think <clears throat> back to some of my smaller sizes as an adult. Those are probably associated with some of the most depressing times mm -hmm. because on the outside, and I realized that you know, like I probably should have been a theater major because I have this great way of making people feel like I'm okay mm -hmm. when really I'm not, and I'm in shambles. Um, you know, I'm going through it, but people in the room are just like, oh, look at her entertaining. It's part of the reason why I love food and being able to host because I'm always taking care of other people. But I've been so accustomed to taking care of people so much mm. that I don't know how to take care of myself at times. That's I have to be reminded that it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to surrender, to ask for help. But when you are in those positions, it's so easy to get caught up on the idea of nobody can help me like me. Right. Hmm. So you turned to running as part of, um, well, I don't know. So in you go through this big weight loss journey. It sounds like in your late 20s. Yes. Is that about right? Okay, yes. so you go through and you had, I mean, you lost a ton of weight. Was it like 170 pounds or something? It was 100 pounds. Yeah, I okay, lost 100 pounds. pounds in okay. the, yeah, it was, um, that was, uh, at the time, I stopped weighing myself at 265 pounds. Okay. And... I remember, you know, being diagnosed with a number of things. It was uh, my doctor looked at me after literally um, a time where I tried to use humor. Um, I was in the, mid in the middle of a dirty joke at work <laughs> in the culinary environment. We are very colorful, oh, yes. and I was working in cor the corporate dining. Um, and I had bent over, and I was a, a, a part of my expression. I was like, I, I bent over, and I was like, "This is how I'm going to have you." And they're laughing at the joke. It's a male-dominated environment, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and there we said some things back and forth, and they thought it was part of the joke. And when I didn't get up, they're laughing harder because they're like, "Oh, she's really invested in this oh joke," and I'm like, "Oh my god, there's a pain." And how can I explain to these people that all the pain is shooting to my ass? Oh my god! <laughs> 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 it was just like, and they're like, you know, and they realize, yeah. and they're like, and it's like, are you okay? And I'm holding this pan of lasagna. Oh man! And I'm like, oh my god, this is like the most compromising position to be in. And they really think it's part of the joke. And I'm like, no, I'm in pain. And they're like, where's the pain? And I'm like, I can't describe it. And like, just tell us the pain. And I'm like, it's my ass. <laughs> it's in my ass and it's chasing down my foot. And I, I, you know, I never heard the term sciatica. Yeah. Never heard the term sciatica. So when they actually did get me out of the kitchen, because you don't feel comfortable standing up, you don't feel comfortable sitting down there. Like you just have to find a sweet spot and just mm. let the pain go through. I get to the doctor, my husband takes me there. And my doctor is not one of those people that's invested in this weight loss culture kind of thing. But he did look at me and he's just like, you know, I'm going over your, you know, some of your, you know, your blood tests and all this other stuff. He's like, you got to make some changes. Otherwise, mm. you're not going to be here. And my reaction to him was like, okay. And he's like, okay, what? And I'm like, I'm okay with not being here. Mm. And that's for me, when I think back to it, I realized that I've just been laughing off yeah. a lot of it. 
this. You know, yeah. I've been laughing often, deflecting how I truly felt about the things that, that not even so much things that was just from me, but things that I borrowed from other people that they were telling me how I should feel in my body of the things that I should and should not do in my body. So I instantly thought, well, if I lose some weight, yeah. then I can be this, essentially this mythical creature. Um, I can be this superwoman. That's all these things on my bucket list. I can jump out of airplanes. I can run for long distances. I can do all of these badass things yeah. that only smaller people can do. So I started my weight loss journey, essentially, May 28, 2013, after seeing someone's post, an everyday person. Mm. Um, turned out she was a beach body coach. And I was like, mm -mm, not interested. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I got the DVDs in the house. I'm uh, like, it's just collecting dust. Yep. But she asked me a really compelling question. And she's like, what are you trying to do? What are you trying to accomplish? And why did you reach me? Yeah. And I remember being incredibly inspired how strong she was not how she looked okay it was just like how can i get that happy yeah how can i really feel that happy instead of the happiness that i'm trying to portray out there i want to yeah. smile from the inside yeah um and that's when i started this like this weight loss journey that turned me into all these different sports yeah. do you remember what your answers to her questions were ah uh, i remember telling her that i found her to be intriguing because i loved that how her form was, I was telling her all these physical things. Mm -hmm. I was like, I love how your form is and you're able to just have, you look like you have so much energy. And she in turn bounced back to me, do you have an accountability system? And I was like, not really. I was like, you know, a lot of people depend on me, not the other way around. And she's like, do you have a way to kind of get people to hold you accountable without them even knowing it? And I was like, well, I use social media a lot. And that's literally how I started Okay. documenting parts of my journey. So I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll start putting up pictures. Maybe I'll start talking about it. And at the time, I didn't have that many friends on my social media accounts. Yeah. I didn't think anybody would care about me. I definitely didn't know anything about a checkmark or an influencer right. or any of these terms that now we use, like, you know, being an activist in the body positive movement. None of those things were jargon that was in my head. Um so I started documenting on there. I started originally through Facebook. Um, and I was like, hey, you know, hey, guys, I started here. I was scared to say the numbers. You would have never, ever asked someone like me to say, oh, I'm 200 and something right. pounds. And this is where I'm starting from. Instead, I took everything that I remember from things like The Biggest Loser. Okay. You show an image and then you show your progress. And when I started looking at it over the weeks, um, I noticed that I did, you know, like I, I was, you know, physically shedding weight, but I started noticing my smile was mm. a lot more genuine when I started losing the weight, but I attached everything to the number. I became yeah. obsessive yeah. about the practice. It's like, all right, I have to work out for three hours mm. um, every day. And I don't care if I'm in pain. I have to do this because if I miss something off of this checklist, then that means that I'm not doing it right. right. You know? Anytime that the scale wouldn't move, I was like, all right, now we got to rethink this. I didn't have, I didn't have money for a coach. I didn't have, um, you know, I didn't have a personal trainer. Um, this is before social media really turned into what it is now, where everyone is quick to offer you advice, whether yeah. it's positive or negative. Um, I just had a whole bunch of people cheering me on for my weight loss. And they're like, yeah. wow, she lost 50 pounds in three months. And the more you have those golf claps, <laughs> you get caught up in it. Yeah, you get for caught sure. up in like, like, wow, I'm on top of the world. Like, what can I accomplish? And one of the first things that came to mind was 
I want to jump out of a perfectly good airplane and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? And I'm in, and I was like, I'm terrified of heights and yeah. I'm terrified of small spaces. I don't, I don't like flying in planes. Let's just knock all of this out in Do one it. shot because I'm an extreme personality. Like yeah. I, I, that's just been me my entire life. And people just always ask me, can you tone it down a bit? And I realize now in hindsight, there's not a matter of toning it down. It's a matter of figuring out where you fit in and where, yeah. who's your tribe. Okay. You know, these yeah. are the things I didn't know then. Yeah. Yeah. A joke told loudly is still pretty damn funny. It's just, they don't, yes. they don't want to hear that joke. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Comedic timing, comedic timing, time and place. And then knowing, you know, who's your audience. You yeah. got to read the room. Yeah. Read the room. Exactly. <clears throat> and so when you, and that is the thing that I really, you know, I have to admit, I'm guilty of a lot of the things that you talk about in terms of like the, um, uh, I don't remember what you said. It was something you know, like justifying the, or enabling obesity or something like that. Like the sweatshirt you were wearing recently. Ah, yes. Uh, I've created a, um, the sweatshirt was inspired by um, the comment section Yeah, that I get a lot. Uh, anytime that I work out and do any of these things, uh, sometimes people who are not familiar with my platform, they instantly think that I'm doing this for weight loss. Mm -hmm. And then I'll get a random person or a random set of people who will come on there and say, well, I've been, I've been going through your feed and you haven't lost an ounce of weight. And I'm just like, well, you know, and I'm very snarky. Um, like it is, it is like, you don't know what kind of snarky you're going to get depending on the day. And sometimes it gets me in a little bit of trouble, but you, <laughs> you know, have an attitude problem. Yes. I have an attitude problem and I, and I enjoy it. You know, sometimes, sometimes you have to, you know, you have to know when to embrace it. And sometimes you have to give people a little bit of grace because they're not really talking to you. They're using you as a muse yeah. to really talk about something that's going on within themselves. And that stuff that took me years to really learn i'm learning that more now being in the public space that yeah. sometimes people are not really talking to you they're, they're talking to their own inner demons or their own things that they've grown accustomed to believing for a set of years and you know, I, once you realize that you just cannot change the entire world you can yeah. only speak to your tribe then it, it is what it is but um a person kept writing in the, in the comment section, you're promoting obesity. And I was like, can you tell me how I'm promoting obesity? Well, look at all the food that you're eating. And I'm like, what do you mean? The, um, the greens that you looked over? Yeah. Oh, but, you know, your meals are not balanced. I'm like, where? I'm, I didn't know that you were in my kitchen. You know, but but but, you, but you're working out and you can't run like that. What about your knees? And I'm like, my knees are like mega stallions. I'm, I'm great. Um, what, what are you talking about? What, but what about your health problems? My health problems have nothing to do with my size. Oh, your, your blood pressure must be off the hook. Um, you you must have diabetes. I'm like, actually, I don't have any of those things. And I don't really owe you an explanation. Right. So when I tell people I don't owe you an explanation, you're, oh, that's you trying to avoid the, the question. No, I'm trying not to be gaslit right now. Mm. And I really, you're not my doctor. I didn't hire you. And why would you want to offer free advice to someone who don't want it? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So when he kept saying promoting obesity, I was like, it would be funny to actually create a shirt that says promoting obesity or whatever the comment section says. Yeah. And I chose to do it as a crop top. Yeah. Because these are the things that fat people are not <laughs> supposed right. to wear. You know, so, <laughs> you know, so like, you know, just me, I was just yeah. like, you know, what? Let's, 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 let's turn this into a sweatshirt because a lot of people were just so tired of hearing, you know, screw the haters, ignore them. Yeah. You know, it's something that we're commonly told. And I, when I say we, we, I mean, as in, Plus size people, people who are part of marginalized communities, people who ha may have, you know, may have 
disabilities that's not visible. Um, I definitely fit into those categories where we just tired of being told to ignore and be the bigger person. Sometimes you have to embrace your petty. Yeah. And, you know, I, I yeah. do it. I'm just like, you know what? It's not about being petty. It's about just setting your boundaries and being okay with it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like I, I've definitely, I turned that into a yeah. sweatshirt. Well, you, you, you documented your journey through the way that you deal with these hecklers where originally oh. you were, um, you would, you would basically do something. I think it sounds like you kind of called yourself out for this, which was you would, right. Um, in a way, kind of cancel. I don't remember the term you used, but it cancel was like, culture. yeah, you would basically Definitely. post like their picture and say, hey, this guy just said this to me. Right. And then you, I think you realize, like you said, you feel good about that for about five minutes. And then you realize, well, yes. wait a second. Why, like, why is this happening from both sides? Right. And then you started to ask the question, like, well, why me? Why are you saying this to me? Why? Right. And it sounds like you started to tap into a lot of other people's pain, you know, because you don't, right. I mean, I think we've all been there. Like you, you, we've all said things that lacked grace or that were just mean and hurtful and disgusting. Right. And then fight, you know, maybe you kind of got that zinger in and then you're like, Oh shit, man, that did, yeah, like, that did like, not feel how much good. Is, yeah. Like how much is too much? Like, you yeah. know, like there's too many times, like, I mean, uh, what I love about social media is that you're able to connect with different people, but sometimes yeah. it gives us a platform where it's almost like how much is too much, you know, it's this illusion of power that you have, like, and it's almost addictive. I watch it play out even on my own feed where I'll see people so make a comment in the comment section and they feel great that 18 other people liked it. Mm -hmm. And then they continue on. And I'm like, okay, I'm like, oh, um, honey, you should probably stop there. And then and they're, 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 they're going in a whole sermon. They're just yeah. preaching to the choir. And now you have somebody else that says an opposing opinion. And it may not even come from a, a negative space where they're trying to attack you. They just view things um, a bit different. Um, yet, you know, you have that person. You have now you have other people that's allying. They call yeah. themselves allies for you. And next thing you know, you're watching like a war. Now, anything that you said right. is now being washed up, which you may have started off with logic. Now just comes across as hurt, yeah. um, is lack of tact, and nobody's listening to each other. Like the yeah. active listening element goes to the wayside. And I acknowledge that. You know, and that's the reason why I don't, re I don't refuse to pull down the blogs. You know, for me, I, I, I I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm not ashamed of anyone actually. You know, some not so much calling me out, but calling me in to say, "Hey, you were kind of like, you, like you were just as bad as the person that reached yeah. out to you, and then you decided that he was going to call him every f word in the world." You know, like where do you pull yourself back? I leave yeah. those up there because it allows people to see the layers of how I've grown. Yeah. Um, who I am becoming. And anytime that I feel a moment where I do get sucked in to someone tapping into an emotional space that makes me turn into something I don't want to be, I remind myself, this is where you came from. Yeah. This is how you've grown. And this is how you handle that situation. It's my own working manual. Yeah. Of how I can revisit it over and over again and say, yeah. how can I do better? Well, it's you know, so you're a, you're a child of the eighties. I'm a child of the seventies. And I've, I've always had this saying, like I can tell within 30 seconds of meeting a guy, whether or not that person's ever been punched in the face. Right. <laughs> and there's just a certain amount of grace that people who have been smacked in the mouth once, they just don't say certain things. Like they just have a right. different, um, you know, and it sounds like the way that you grew up in Bed-Stuy where you, you know, one, if, if you said the wrong thing to the wrong person, there were consequences. Oh, yeah. yes. And, and so even those sort of bullies, there was a line in, in, 
in like you you saw when you bullied somebody or when you said something mean, you had to look them in the eye to do it. And you right. saw hurt. And yes, some people kept going with that hurt, but a lot of people were like, ooh, I didn't like how that one felt. That was not mm-hmm. fun. And now where everything is behind keyboards, and then you as the sort of intermediary there, even if you try to take a, a neutral stance now, now you're a sellout. And it's right. like, well, why are you crossing over? We were on this side, and it's like, man, this isn't this isn't a war. You know, this is supposed to be a dialogue and a conversation. And that's what I really fear with a lot of what's going on in these types of conversations, all happening behind keyboards and through policy. And and I mean, you had said the um, um, you know the allyship and things like that where it's it's not right. really a conversation it's sort of a declaration which is not right. right um i don't think well maybe it's not right or wrong it's just not productive because it's not it's, a conversation right you know i definitely agree definitely agree you know um i see a lot of it in a space where it's like we're forced to choose a side mm-hmm. uh you know when you don't have to physically look that person in their face and see the hurt to process it, to have them actually invading your space right back and say, no, this is how you make me feel. Yeah. With, with the keyboard, you know, I like to call them keyboard warriors. You know, you just oh, yeah. go in there, you type in 160 characters or less, you know, with, on Twitter, or you interact with someone on a social media post and you get it all out there. You can do something dismissive like, you know what, I'm going to block them. I'm going to block them before they have the opportunity to respond back. I can delete their comments as many times as I want to. It gives you that illusion of power. And what you don't see is the other person that's reading that comment that's already taken it and they're processing and internalizing it. You may have said something that's a trigger point. Um, For me, it hits home um, because in this was 2018. 19, actually. This is the same year that I got picked up with Hoka One One um, as an ambassador. Um, like the same week of the announcement, someone took my post, um, took one of my videos, put it up on their social media. person had like 60, 70,000 followers. Um, and at the time, I was like, whoa, that's a huge number. And I was reading the comments section, and they're just like, She's fit and fat and the athlete. They were making fun of my my tagline. Mm. And yeah, she's fit and fat. Yeah, she's about, she's going to have a heart attack. She's going to die. You know, like, and I mean, they were loosely saying terms like, you know, like, like death is a joke. Um, when I confronted the person that reposted my video to make fun of me, they instantly blocked me. Mm. And I didn't even, like, I didn't think this, like, I was leaving out the whole screenshot culture, you know, so I didn't think to screenshot the name to figure out so I can report it in. I was trying to interact with them. Yeah. You know, um, that same day, hours later, I found out one of my followers, um, he took his own life. Mm. And I remember being so pissed off. I was in the gym and, the, like, the guys in the gym were like, are you okay? And I'm like, no, I'm not. Yeah. I happen to have a bag of chips. Um and I was like, can you? I was like, can I? I was like, do me a favor. And I was like, can you take this picture? And it's like, sure. And it's like, what the hell are you doing? And I took this kettlebell and I raised it up <laughs> and I had a bag of chips in my mouth and I threw up my middle finger and I was like, let me paint the image of what people think that I'm doing. Yeah. It's promoting obesity, right? Um, and I wrote a blurb on it. I can't remember exactly what I wrote, but I remember explaining the thought process of you know, the perception versus the reality and how toxic and harmful these things are. When we say things like sticks and stones or, you know, 
you know, fuck the haters. You know, when we say things like that, it's dismissive because we don't think about the human that's processing that yeah. when the screen is gone, when the comments are gone, and now they have their thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. You know, it's, in, I don't know. It, I put you in such a different category Good, bad, right, or wrong. So I'm, I'm really honestly trying to reconcile how I feel about all of this because, because you are you are doing the work. Like you are kicking your own ass. You know, right. I'm watching you rep out 185 pounds on the bench press, 235 pounds on squats and things. Like it, this idea that you're promoting obesity. And again, I don't know what you're eating outside of the meals that you're posting on, on um, right. Instagram and stuff, but they look damned healthy to me. Um, you know, I mean, very balanced and things like that. And so it's not like you're, you're sitting there. Um, I don't know. I just, I don't even understand how anybody could say that you're promoting obesity when again, you're posting videos, a lot of these workouts where I guarantee you, I mean, one video cut cuts off, but I counted 13 pushups on a medicine ball. Yeah. And I do way. And I'm like, listen, I know a lot of runners (laughs) who are in quote unquote, phenomenal shape who cannot do 10 pushups, right? right? I mean, they're on their little stick arms and, you know, trying to lose every ounce. I, look, I know a lot, a lot of my friends. <laughs> and, I, and I love them. I love them. Yeah. Like those are my homies. Like, you know, like, yeah. that's the thing. Like I, I, I will never, I will not put myself in a position where I will body shame someone yeah. because, you know, they, they look a certain way. Like, you know, like there are so many, there are people out there. Like, I mean, I had a, um, like when I think back to just thinking back to childhood where I had a girl that was going to fight me and she was just, so small and mm-hmm. i was like oh she i was like she's not gonna i was making jokes the entire time she bust me this you don't yeah. know your life <laughs> you don't know your life until you get punched in the face That's a couple right. of times and this girl caught me so quick and she's like bow, bow, bow. by the time she was done i was like you know what i lost yep <laughs> that was a good one i was i was i was like you know what i'm not even fighting yeah. her I lost. And like, that's what I've realized with social media is that yeah. we underestimate people. And a lot of this is not coming from science. It's coming from Google. Yeah. You know, um, it's coming from Google. Somebody Googled up a couple of things and they're like, this is the way I'm going to support my facts. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not even doing the research anymore. We're just assuming, you know, just to kind of put out our own narrative of yeah. what's right and wrong, whether it is actually based on fact or whether it's not, there's so many things that one, we're not obligated to have those answers to. Like when someone says, well, prove to me that you're healthy. I'm like, I didn't know that I hired you to yeah. me to prove anything to you. You know, the person that like, even if I, even if I decided I was going to sit down on my sofa and eat ho-hos and pancakes and all day long, and I can't do these dynamic push-ups, the only person I'd be hurting is myself. Mm-hmm. You know, even if I, you know, if I sat here and I made my social media look pretty, like this is all like, it doesn't matter, good, bad, ugly, or indifferent. Uh, you can, as a content creator, it is my job to essentially entertain or to document. And what I choose is I like to document in my style. I like to document all that I can, that I feel comfortable with. But when it comes down to when the screens are gone, when I'm not writing and publishing something, when someone is not interviewing me uh, to talk about those layers, I have to still sit with myself. And I have to ask myself, am I really putting in the work? Am I putting in the physical work, but I'm not putting in the nutrition value? Mm-hmm. Am I putting in the nutritional value, but I'm just a poser? These are things that I have to sit with myself on. And then I take in the other layers. Like for me, I'm very open and intimate about talking about health and my personal health. And for me, what things that people cannot see is that 
I battle with, I have a battle of stage four endometriosis, mm-hmm. uh, which is basically an inflammation um, in your fallopian tubes. And it comes from really bad menstruals that are not normal. Um, these are things that prevent me from, I have a hormonal imbalance. Um, it makes me hold on to more weight. I hold on to more, uh, I have water retention. I'm always in pain. I have mm. three good weeks. I have no, excuse me. I take that back. I have three bad weeks and I have one week, whereas most times I'm like, great, I don't feel pain. Wow. You know, you combine that with the sciatica, you combine that with this degeneration, the things that people told me I would not be able to do. Right. Like, I'm not worried about my damn knees. I'm worried about my spine. Right. I'm worried about, you know, my body being the biggest heckler I've ever met. So when, when I read those comments on the internet, I, I have reached a place where I've become a bit desensitized about what someone on the internet feels about me. But when I think about my body, when I have those bad days, I'm like, yeah. There's nothing hurtful on the internet that anybody can tell me that I haven't said to myself at one point. Yeah. Uh, that I felt like I feel, not not see it, I feel ugly. Mm. I feel weak. I feel inadequate. I feel like a poser. I wonder if I belong in this space. Look at you. And then I look at athletes. Uh, I look at my times and I'm like, that person finished this and they were probably my size and they finished it in four hours and it took me six and a half, seven. I have like, I, I don't just talk about my race record. I will talk about, I don't talk about the ones that I just, you know, I complete a race. I actually will only talk about DNFs, you know, what it is to not finish a race, because I think those stories are essential too. It doesn't tell you about, you know, what hurdles you came across, about the, the point at mile 18 when your body decided to keep in. I, I remember doing a hundred K my one and only 100K mm. at Hobbling 100. And I came in last place and I was so delirious, but I was excited. I was like, wow, there's actually a finish line still here. Yeah. There's people that's actually still cheering for me because as a person who's like the, like typically one of the last place people, it's not something that you usually see. You don't usually get that celebration. You're watching mile markers get it pulled off the course yeah. and you're really, literally <clears throat> running and racing the clock. And the person that's behind you, that's like, hey, no pressure, but um, you don't keep it up. Right. We're going to pull you off this course because right. we have to, you know, and it's a safety issue, yep. you know, because people take it personal. And I'm like, no, it's a safety issue. Um, you know, when I think about the, the the high I felt and then going out there six days later to do the New York City Marathon and people are like, you're nuts and you're a glutton for punishment. And I'm like, this gives me satisfaction and yeah. joy. The next year, I tried to do that. I tried to do a hundred miler. I didn't make it to mile 20. I made it to mile 20 or mile 21 on that same course. And wow. I DNF'd. Um, they almost took off my ring because I forgot. I did a rookie mistake. I left my ring on because your body will swell. Okay. Um, it could be from heat retention. It could be lack of uh, nutrition. It could be uh, so many variables that come into it. And all I kept thinking to myself is I didn't just fail me. I failed my community because they were rooting me on. People are seeing that. And sure enough, people came for me in the comment section. Look at her. She failed. Oh, I told you she's too fat to do those things. She doesn't train. How dare she? She's a poser. She's an imposter. She cheats during her races. That was something that came up wow. in 2019. I was accused of cheating at a race when I didn't realize that I was getting rerouted. You know, and I have to read these. Like, it's not like I, I get to hide in my bubble because I'm so public. I have to now deal with a new audience that hates me for existing. And then when you combine the elements of talking about race when you talk about you know being plus size when you talk about being an athlete with invisible not visual but invisible disabilities and you talk about those things and you advocate for those spaces you're now not just not you're not just representing yourself so you start to feel like a failure 
to not just you, but your community. And yeah. I take that burden with me everywhere I go. And I'm just like, am I as good as my own race times? And the, re- the reality mm. is, no, I'm not. I'm I'm much more than my race times. I'm much more than my my, my race. You know, my <laughs> you know my, you know I'm much more than my body size. You know, if I don't find a way to find the joy in what I'm doing, then what am I doing this for? You know, it, everything can't be just a cause right. to, you know, to look like I'm doing the work. I have to feel the work. Well, and that's and that's that's kind of the whole point of of the way that you're doing things is that and that was kind of my point earlier about I wasn't trying to body shame the guy who can't do the 10 push-ups. It's that and I know lots of people who will spend $10,000 shaving grams off their bike, not pounds grams oh, right oh, no. i mean think about it. like <laughs> i saw your bike you've got a phenomenal trek but you oh, know, yes I love going, <laughs> going from ultegra to dura ace will cost you you know several hundred dollars if not a thousand dollars you know full grupo di2 that type of thing right. one it's less durable than the ultegra but it's lighter but it's lighter right you know and, and for them that's their goal for them it's like look i'm already in the top 10 whatever it is and so for some people, it's totally justified to say, look, I need every single thing. But I know right. a lot of middle of the packers who are not moving up or down, but yeah. that's that's what speaks to them and all that stuff. But then I look at your workouts and I'm like this, like, again, like you're doing the strength workouts, you're doing the core workouts, you're doing all of these things to save your body, save your knees, all, and not that it's anybody else's freaking business what you do to your own freaking knees, for God's sakes, but right. <laughs> you're doing all of these things. Yeah, you're doing all of these things correctly and strength-wise and all this other stuff. And so, like, do you, it's got, you had, you have to, maybe you haven't, but I would assume with 60,000 followers on Instagram and stuff, have you ever been forced into like some unforced errors because you were too concentrated on what people were saying and you've made mistakes, whether it's your training oh. or going too long or too hard or at the wrong time or whatever. And let most it, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Most definitely. Um, uh, the reason why I advocate so hard, um, in the last two years in particular, um, because I am an eating disorder survivor. Um, so in 2015, uh, so I started my, what was essentially what it started off as a weight loss journey before I considered it a fitness journey. I started off this weight loss journey and at times I was doing some good things. And sometimes I had some bad practices where the overworking out and not listening to my body telling me to rest. Cause that's super important. That's yeah. the, the part that sometimes that we, that's the unsung hero that we don't give enough credit right along with stretching to make sure that we have mobility because you'll see people like me, who's a multi-sport athlete and you'll see me picking up these weights and like, Oh, it was amazing, but that's cool. until you can't wipe your ass. You know, so it's just like <laughs> when you think about those things, you know, one thing needs the other. So I look for that balance. I didn't have an understanding of that balance of knowing when to slow down because I was so caught up after a while on the perception. If I don't show up today, then people don't think that I'm capable to the point where you have to perform. And it's like, oh, crap, the day I need to perform. I can't perform because I didn't give my body enough rest. I didn't respect it enough. Um, maybe I didn't eat the things that worked well for my body. It was doing a lot of guesswork in the beginning. And then when I started figuring out what worked well for me, I got caught up with the comment section. And the comment section, the most harmful comment section did not come from strangers. It came from people I knew. Mm. Because you have more of a level of respect for someone that you can see and you can touch and you yeah. can feel. And I had a, at the time he was a friend and he's like, you don't look like a runner. 
you know, and I was like 160 pounds. Like, mm. no, I was 170 pounds at this time. I was 170 pounds. It was like a size eight. I was running a 10 to 11 minute mile on average. And he's like, you don't look like a runner and you're training for a marathon. Um, I'm, I'm a personal trainer. He wasn't. Um, I learned the hard way. He wasn't. And he's like, um, I'm going to give you some nutrition advice, which uh, I heavily emphasize to people, especially newbies. Just because a person is a personal trainer does not mean that they are a qualified nutritionist. Oh, no. Please hire a, hire a sports <laughs> nutritionist. Um, it's worth the extra money. That's if you can afford it because accessibility is a different conversation of its own. Yeah. But I listened to this guy and he talks me into, uh, which sounds ridiculous, he talks me into a 1,200 calorie diet while I'm training 30 to 50 miles wow. a week. So, and I'm working on top of this. Yeah. Um, and I started feeling like I felt like it went from feeling happy and energized and strong to like, why am I feeling weaker? Like the weight is leaving, mm -hmm. but I feel like I'm losing muscle, but I don't know how to describe it at yeah. the time. I didn't know how to describe I'm losing muscle. Like I, I started seeing my skin looking a little bit looser than usual versus the tightness that I usually have. Yeah. Um, I'm super tired. One day I went on a train. Um, now it's like 13 degrees outside. I am sweating bullets. <laughs> like, oh, wow. I am sweating and I'm on a New York City transit train. And thankfully, there was a lady that's so accustomed to me being on the train at the same time. And she looked at me. It was an older lady. And she looks at me. She's like, you're all right. And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. And she's like, you sure? Because you're sweating a lot. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm just, you know, I was like, I just did a workout, which I did. I yeah. did a I did a four mile run. Um, I had enough time to get a little bit of sleep. I said hi to my son for five minutes before I had to leave. And I got on the train and I am just I'm sweating like profusely for like 40, 45 minutes. I get out the train and thank God she followed me. I get into the middle of West Forth. Um, I know people like anybody that's from New York City may not know what that is, but it's a major street at okay. West Forth when you get out the train. And I get into the middle of traffic. I lost my hearing. Whoa. I lost my vision. I went through vertigo and I am panicking and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Wow. Uh, you know, I, I'm freaking out at this moment. I'm like, am I going to make it? And this woman was just like, baby, get out the street. I can hear her. And she's trying to talk to me. Then my vision started going in and out and she's trying to get across to me. And I'm like, I don't need, I was like, don't call the doctor. I'm still stubborn. I don't, I, I can do it myself. You know, um, your ego will get you every yeah. time. I can do it myself. I made it three blocks, made it to my job. I got to the front. I do not remember anything from there. Wow. My coworker said that my eyes rolled back. I went face first to the ground. Um, they took me to the ambulance that was like about, two, they took me to the hospital, probably about two blocks away. When they started asking me all the questions and they, you know, they pumped me with like liquids and all this other stuff. They made the doc, they made all of like the people that was there. They made everybody exit out the room and they brought in a therapist. And I'm, I used to work in the Department of Corrections. I know how this protocol goes. So I was mm. like, they pointed a therapist. I'm like, that's nothing wrong with me. I'm like, I didn't do drugs. <laughs> like, yeah. what, what's this all about? And the doctor was like, hey, can you tell me, you know, what you did before this? And I'm like, oh, well, you know, I did this and this. By the time I rambled off all this information to him, he's like, um, I would like to set you up with a therapist and we need to talk about eating disorders. And I was mm. like, look at me. I'm like, do I look like the person? Like, not what people say, do right. you look like an athlete? Do I look like a person with an eating disorder? Because I've never seen myself yeah. as a person. I'm like, I know what eating disorders is. I'm like, I'm not putting the finger down my throat. I'm not all these things that you describe. Right. I'm like, that's, and to, to be very frank, I was like, that, I was like, when I see eating disorders, I usually see white people. I usually see white women in particular. Mm. That's in the marketing. 
You know, I don't see someone like me who at the time was, I think at that point it was about 165 pounds. Mm. Um, I don't see someone like me in that marketing. Um, I was like, I'm fat. I just kept saying, I was like, I'm fat. Even yeah. though realistically, I was not even considered according to the BMI, which I hate. But according to that, even that BMI, I was just slightly overweight. Yeah. And uh, the doctor's like, no. Um, so there's this thing called anorexia nervosa. And you're not getting enough calories. And by the time we did the math, I was at negative 1350, averaging wow. a day. Um, so my body just started eating at itself. Wow. That was the first time I learned how to really assert my boundaries, not because it yeah. sounds like something that's trending, right. but I was literally fighting for my own life. Because are, so are you still working with this, this quote-unquote personal trainer nutritionist at the time? Oh, hell no. Okay. Uh, oh, at the time I was, you know, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. me immediately got fired. Right, but <laughs> like, he's, he's the one feeding you this BS about 1200 right. calorie. Okay. I believe that, you know, I believe yeah. it because it's not like it came from a random stranger on the internet. It came from a friend. And when we yeah. think about, you know, when it comes down to being fat shamed or you know, what, what people like to say, like it's the unpopular term, skinny shaming. I do believe that there is a thing because people will say things like, why don't you eat a sandwich? Why don't you gain weight? You don't know someone's metabolism. You don't know what, what their, you know, their health issues look like. You don't know what their blood screenings look like. You don't know these things. These are not things you can just pull off of 160 characters on Twitter or an image of someone flexing their muscles. There are a lot of elements that we do not see on a regular basis. So now I've learned how to assert my boundaries to say, no, please don't assume what I'm going through. I'm only yeah. showing you the highlights. Like when you see 10 clips of me working out, you're not hearing the grunts over music. <laughs> you're not hearing the F-bombs that came of, why am I doing another set? Yeah. So you have to respect people's struggle. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, there's a whole lot of... Uh a whole lot of non-glossy parts to Instagram and these other things that people, oh, yeah. people, yeah, they, I mean, we all want to look, we all want to see the, the fairy tale ending. We, you know, we, we've all seen Rocky and you know, it's like this oh, normal yeah. progression <laughs> and then you run up the steps in Philly and then you win the fight. Right. I mean, that's just, right. the, that's <laughs> the way it always works. But, um, yeah, reading your blog post on that, or I get again, I think it was on the about page where you're losing this weight, you lose a hundred pounds, and you're waiting for this happily ever after moment of now I'm the princess or you know whatever has been. You you right. mentioned it a few times, like whatever the marketing for this weight loss journey is supposed to be, and you're like, where where the hell's my happiness? Like why didn't right. it why didn't it happen? Right. You know? Yeah. And so you it, start you start running and you start getting stronger and that's that's the thing like you mentioned biggest loser like my wife is a nutritionist actually and so she and i have always been into fitness and things we met at the gym and all the corny wow. stuff but like we would watch biggest loser is one of our favorite shows and stuff but that was the thing that we always tapped into was no wait a second all of a sudden you're eating healthy real whole foods instead mm -hmm. of packaged garbage and you know and you're exercising. Of course, your skin looks better. You feel better. Your right. eyes are brighter. All of these things. The weight, the losing the weight is an important piece to all of this. But it's the activity. It's the you know sedentary life going to this active lifestyle and all this other stuff. So I think too much emphasis is definitely put on the weight of this. Right. So when it's you, marketing, it, it I mean, is. You got you got to sell a show. Yeah. You have to make it entertainment. And that's the reason why, like, I, I really like when it, when it comes down to conversations, like, they're like, "Why don't you consider yourself a body positivity, you know, activist?" And why do you call it body politics? And I'm like, you know, 
I know I know what it is to be in front of the camera as a like my like behind me is a bunch of photos because my husband and I are freelance photographers. I know what it is that what the marketing looks like. You know, it could be a great idea, but it still has to sell. It yeah. still has to appeal to people. So people are looking for those dramatic moments where on the biggest loser, you know, they're set up, you know, you have all these, you know, plus size people camped around a bunch of snacks. And now we're that like, we have to put the dramatic music, like all these elements, this shock and or kind of value that people buy into. And I mean, I, I like my reality TV show too. I have, I have toxic traits about me. <laughs> there are things that I love, you know, but, you know, we have to acknowledge it for the entertainment factor because when we go to a doctor, they're not going to set us up on an island um, oh. of, hey, you know, here's some cookies and you can choose not to take this or you can do this exercise. And you have to think about it. These things are happening over a course of weeks. Versus it being slower and taken out over time. When we look at the statistics of a person who loses weight and they're, um, they're like most of the statistics is that when it comes down to diet culture, most of these people gain that weight back in within three years. 100%. You know, yeah. you know, like, and then sometimes they gain more than what they started off with. When I think about that, I'm one of those people who fit into that, you know, that category where I'm right now at my the present, the present day. I weigh more than the number that I actually put out there, but mm. I feel much healthier yeah. than what I felt like when I got the diagnosis for sciatica and all these other things because I'm active. So yeah. I, there's times where I get nervous when I go to the doctor. I'm like, oh my God, it's going to be the day he's going to tell me to lose some weight. You know, and I'm, I'm you know, I'm worried about it because I don't want, and he's like, he's like, stop, you know, he looked at me and he's like, why are you putting words in my mouth? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't say anything about your weight. He's like, you know, he's like, one, he's like, um, I, he's like, because he actually sees my Instagram. And he's like, one, I've seen your Instagram. He's like, um, I know that you left. And he's like, you're so much of a good patient. Because I do. I literally document in my journal. And I show him what I'm eating. Because I was so used to being gaslit over the years. Mm. So much that I would do it to myself. And I'm like, maybe there is something wrong with me mentally. That maybe I am eating too much. And I just don't have this figured out. And he's like, no, you're pretty, you're pretty solid on this. One, your body type. You know, everybody's body type is different. Two, it's the way that your metabolism. Three, you have, you know, elements that work against you. Yep. So please give yourself some grace. And, you know, four, yes, you know, you have junk food moments. I, I definitely have junk food moments. Like, I like my cookies and cakes. You know, um, there's certain things like this. As I get older, I don't like it as much. And then I take in things like genetics, you know, age. You know, these are the factors that you cannot get from an Instagram post. You yeah. know, I, I even beg my audience to not set themselves up in the trap where they start comparing themselves to me. Oh, well, you're that size. So there's no reason why I shouldn't be able to do this. And I'm like, I want you to go back a couple of years on my Instagram posts where my form was incorrect, <laughs> you know, yeah. where I had to learn, relearn how to engage certain muscles when I was collapsing on the floor because I couldn't get myself into a plank position. Yeah. There's a gradual buildup. It's that's part of this is essential part of storytelling that sometimes is missing on social media, which is looking at these bright and shiny posts of, hey, this is the way I did it. I'm amazing. I lost 60 pounds and right. my skin is glistening. Part of the marketing is to make the color, like the, you desaturate the face sometimes in the before picture. The person is not smiling because right. they do feel miserable. Right. And we don't talk enough about these things. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, um, do you train, do you ride with a power meter? Uh, but, you mean, um, like the, like the, the like BMW gauge how? Yeah. Yes. 
yes, yeah. yes, yeah, because I have it on my smart train. Yes, okay. like right behind me. Yeah. I have a smart trainer um, from Ceres, um that I use. So I can figure out how many water checking I'm actually getting out. How much am I exerting myself? Yeah. I try to use a heart rate monitor to figure out like, mm, maybe you need to back off. Because I'm one of those athletes that do put out too much energy okay. at times. And then I'm like, oh, why am I burned out at mouse six? <laughs> <laughs> why do I feel like crap? Like yeah. even, even with me being in the culinary industry, sometimes I don't get my nutrition right. Um, uh-huh. Where, you know, like you get so hype up off the moment and I'm like, no, I'm doing great. And then... When you feel like crap, like my, my coach's rule of thumb is if you feel like crap now, that means you were already crap probably 15 minutes before it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. If you start to feel a, a shift in your emotions, you're probably hungry. Um, getting that balance was a hard thing for me. So I literally had to program it into my watch to give me alerts. And I'm like, I really don't feel thirsty and hungry right now, but my body is going to regret this in the next now. So let's just do a little bit, even if it's not the whole thing. And that's worked out much better for me in the long run to be able to accomplish my goals versus I'm going to gung-ho this and this is going to be an amazing story on my blog or I can take this dynamic picture at the finish line. The finish line is not going to happen if you don't have a game plan to follow. Yeah, yeah. I was curious because I was watching those box jumps that you were doing and your power to weight ratio is ridiculous. Like, (laughs) your vert, honest to God, I'm just curious. Have you ever done a max watt test on your bike and find out how many watts you can push? I need to. I need to actually do that. You need to, because you're off the charts. Like, it's like, damn. Yeah, because my coach, like he he called it out. Like the, the there's an Iron Man video that was um, released out, and I remember looking at the video um, this past weekend, and there was a key thing that he said in the second um, episode of my video, and he's like, "I'm the type that basically I know I'm strong, mm-hmm. but sometimes when I find those strong areas, I work on my stronger areas more." Mm-hmm. And I tend to look over the areas where I can use just a bit more improvement. Yeah. You know, um, and that's anybody. Like, you get caught up in that egotistical moment of, yeah, I can power through this. I can do push-ups. And it's just like, if you ask me to do sprints, Mm -hmm. I can do sprints pretty well. But if you ask me to do it the eighth time, I'm like, "Mm, um, Mm -hmm. can we take a break? (laughs) You know, but I'm I'm better with endurance than I am with, if you put me on an 800-meter track. Um, I'm not that person. With endurance running, I'm deliberately telling myself I have to pace myself. Yeah to be able to push through this versus a sprint exercise that that minute or two feels like torture. And I'm like, I don't want this. Yeah. I don't, I don't want these hills. I'm like, give me a downhill. I don't want to go uphill. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's it's, it's like a trap. We all have a weak point. You know? yeah. um, and it's, it's out, it's out. It's, and that's where it really tests you. You have to really push yourself to sometimes take on the things that you don't want to do. Yeah. So let's, let's, um, we can pick any one of your events, but like just even the Havelina hundred. So the Havelina hundred is actually a race. I know Jamil down in in Phoenix. I'm from Phoenix. That's where we, um, that's where we were founded. Actually, I moved up to Colorado, but so you do the Havelina hundred, um, 28 hours, 27 minutes, 43 seconds, as you mentioned, dead last, but that's okay. Yes. <laughs> because you still, you beat all the DNFs and you beat, right. you beat the millions of people who didn't do it, the billions of people who didn't do it that day. Right. So what are you, um, like kind of walk me through the, your 28 hour day. You had mentioned you're, Ooh. you're better at pacing yourself and all that stuff, but a hundred miles or a hundred, that was the hundred K. So you're 60 miles, 62 and a half miles. Like what, what is that, um, 
Yes, walk me through your day, I think, a little bit on that. Or, yeah, your two days. You're over a day there. <laughs> oh, man. Um, that morning, what, I was real, in, real quick, what was your, like, what was your level of certainty that you would finish? The only thing that I had to gauge off of was actually comparing myself to one of my friends, um, dope athlete, Myrna Valerio. She's the person who kind of um, <clears throat> suckered me into this. Um, <laughs> she, like, literally, I, um, the, 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 the thought was implanted from her. Okay. I had no idea what Havelina 100 was. Okay. Um, I did not. Uh, I told myself ultra running may not be for me. Um, after I did the uh, New York Roadrunner 60K uh, in 2015, I signed up for that. Um, after doing a New York City Marathon, I signed up for that. And I was like, oh. This would be an amazing race to do because I just knocked out 26.2 miles. So what's another 11.2 miles going to be? Sure. And 11.2 miles is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have this extreme personality that I was just like, you know what? I'm going to do it. And I remember coming out the porter potty at mile 29 because it is very true. You come out. I don't know what it is. It's just it, it makes you honest after you leave the bathroom. Um I came out and I felt like somebody hit me with a bat. Mm. Um, and it was just like those last eight miles was terrible. And I told myself then, I am not doing another ultra marathon. Okay. And then I met Myrna Valerio. Okay. And this is like, this is before she really, really blew up. And she was the first person that took me on the trail. Like deliberately took me on the trail. Not something that was, I did for, you know, a Spartan race. And she's just like, this is the proper way to hike. You know, this is what you're looking for. She was my, she's like my big sister. Yeah. You know, um, and she's like, you should really consider doing trail running. And I was like, I don't know. I'm from Brooklyn. You know, <laughs> I, I dodged gunshots and, um, you know, uh, really oversized rats. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think so. You know, it's yeah. just like, you should really try it. And she was there for my race. That was the first time I ever DNF'd. Okay. Um, and we chose one of the hardest races to do as a first time for trail running, for a trail marathon. And we chose the North Face Endurance Race yeah. um, in Massachusetts. And it was the first year. So they didn't even know how hard this course was going to be on okay. people. And people were dropping like flies. Mm. So I'm like, all right, cool. She gives me her book. And she's like, it's not out yet. And this is the, um, pretty much um, a beautiful work in progress. And okay. she's like, I want you to review it. You're completely blunt. She's like, be kind if it sucks. But tell me what you think. I read the first chapter and she mentioned Havelina 100. And I was like, this woman is nuts. There is no reason that anyone should do this. Is your body even, you know, she's like, well, clearly she made it. I'm like, she's here. She's talking to me. She and lived. I wrote Right, you know, and I'm just like, so I wrote her that night, and to be very blunt, my exact text messages, are you fucking nuts? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, yeah, and you should do it with me. And I was like, there's no way I would do that. And she's like, I'll sign up with you. Wow. Um, joke's on me, because she had to actually back out. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's, it's part of the life, yeah, you know, like, sure. I mean, like, you know, we're, we're both, you know, we're both public figures and I, I get it. I get it now more than ever of how your plans will actually change and you're obligated to do certain things. Or sometimes you just kind of listen to your body and say, Hey, listen, I need a break. Um, and I was just like, I don't know if I can afford this fee. I came up with all these different reasons of why I shouldn't do it. And, uh, ironically, I meet Hoka One One that year. Okay. And um, there's a woman by the name of Martha Garcia um, who was with Hoka. She At the time, she was with Hoka. And she's just like, you know, what are your dreams and your goals? And I was like, well, my friend kind of brought up this race called Havelina 100. 
Um, and it's 100K and 100 miles. And I didn't know that Hoka actually sponsored it. Yeah. I was like, I don't know. Like, you know, financially, I don't think I want to do it. Um, you know, I don't think I want to sign up for this. Like, I, there's something about snakes that just don't appeal to me. You know, large spiders. I don't think it's for me. And she's like, well, we actually sponsored that race. We'll help you get there. And I'm yeah. like, um, but I got a family. They're like, oh, no, we'll help you with a coach. Like, she took away yeah, every yeah, yeah, yep. <laughs> use. And I'm just like, oh, my God, fuck, I have to do it. You know, <laughs> I, just, I have to commit to it. So I was like, I guess I'm training for 100K. But it was Coach Megan Roche that really helped me really come to understand layers of myself. So I had to pull back on certain activities that I love. Like, I love powerlifting. It's not essential. Mm. It's not something that you want to do. Like, it's yeah. one thing to do strength training. It's another thing to do powerlifting um, in conjunction with, you know, when you're doing a race like that, you have to put more energy into other areas. So she gave me this plan where it gave me enough wiggle room to do my fun workouts, the okay. things that people consider as torture, like push-ups. Yeah. I like calisthenics. But she also put in other things to kind of get me to understand what it's going to be like to do 100K. And I had all these crazy races. Like, I had a, a full race calendar that year. Um, so, you know, she, she gave me all the mental training. The, not mental training. She gave me all the physical training. Mentally is what uh, the things I had to encounter. Because everybody was telling me, like, it, it's one thing to do a marathon. It's another thing to do an ultra. Because parts of it, you're relying on your training. The other part, you're relying on your brain. Not yeah. failing on you. Because your body's going to do whatever it tells you to do most times. Yeah. It's going to do what it tells you to do. And if you have your nutrition down, it's going to keep you going. But mentally, you want to check out. It doesn't matter how fast you are. Yeah. You can be you can be somebody that's as fast as Jim Walmsley, who I adore. He's yeah. a sweetheart. Um, you can be as fast as those guys. And you still are going to have those moments where it's just like, is it over yet? Yeah. You know, um, and I encountered a lot of that on the course. I was happy during the sunrise. Um, during the sunrise. Oh, that's it was, the thing. Yeah, right. Making it to sunrise. Oh my God, the sunrise is amazing. Like, um, like I, I will gladly trade in my polluted air here in New York City, um, <laughs> to see the sunrise and, you know, in Arizona. I've yeah. never seen anything like it. Um, and I remember the first, I want to say the first loop, the entire first loop, I was actually with someone. Um, and we were talking the entire time. We were in the back of the pack and I was like, well, we're going to be out here all day. And she's telling me her story. The entire time, she's like, I did this last year and then I had the DNF. Mm. And she's telling me this. And then she shows me, ironically, she shows me a list. And she's, I was like, what's that paper? And she's like, I'm holding on to a list of motivational things that I'm saying to myself. It was like her mantra. Mm. And what I did not share with her is I had an equal list, but mine was not a mantra. It was a bunch of comments that I had received from people that was negative and positive okay. that I carry with me. And then I've dedicated those mile markers to every person that made an impact in my life, whether it was oh. negative, positive, or neutral. Wow. And I carried it on me and I carried it like a weight. Huh. And I, I just used that as my way. So like when she was like, all right, I'm going to go ahead of you. And I realized, oh, I'm really going to be out here alone during this night loop. It was a fear that I had to really get past. Um, what I realized is after after a certain point, it's not even your body breaking down, it's your mind crumbling. Yeah. Um, I remember just crying mm -hmm. um a lot. And like it and it felt good. It felt really cleansing to just cry during those night hours because I was thinking about every comment that I said didn't get to me. Mm. And it did. Wow. Like I I thought like at my at my darkest moments, 
I remember just hearing some of the most toxic things just surface in my head, things that I've read. I remember some people's names that they're like, wait, hold up, you know my username? Huh. Some things stuck out to me. Like one of the worst comments I ever received was, no wonder why your child is a type one diabetic. He has a whale of a bitch for a mom. What? It's a comment that still to this day is in my head. And I'm just like, wow, I'll never be good enough for these people. No, I'll never, I'll never. And the thing is, and you know what? And that's a great thing. I'll yeah. never be good enough for you because I'm not, I'm not for you. No. You know, and uh, I kept that in my head. And I just remember just crying and just saying, why can't I just be like, why can't I just be as angry as I want to be? But when you're in that open space, especially when you're dead freaking last, um, you're actually able to be angry. You're able to, you can, you can put things out there to the universe and say how you truly feel. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully nothing responds back to you because that's the hobbliness and the snakes. <laughs> well, listen, Lenny, I want to I add some context for those listening here. Yeah. 20 days earlier, you finished Chicago Marathon. Yes. 705.31. Yes. Uh, as you said, a week later, after Havelina 100, you finish New York City Marathon, 745.49. Right. So Yes. I'm going to hold up a big middle finger to everybody throwing stones <laughs> at you because that's a hell of, I mean, that's an insane workload, you know, yeah. over the course of basically what is um, less than a month. Less than a You're month. You're October right. 4th to November, or October 7th to November 4th, two okay. marathons and a 60 miler. Yeah. When I I'll, think about I'll, I'll that, I'm just language, like, yeah. I'm just like, how the hell did I do this? Like, I mean, when I yeah. when I when I do all that math, I remember seeing it on Shrabbit and I remember seeing it on Athletics, and I'm like, whoa, I'm like, I actually did that. That's awesome. You know, like, and I mean the thing is the crazy part is I actually attempted to do um my first Spartan Ultra Beast. And I got to a point where I was just like, hey, is it normal to see your skin actually turn colors? And I was like, you know what? Maybe this is the time I need to get out. I got into the water and I freaked out. This is my, wow. my biggest fear. One of my biggest fears is actually okay. getting in the water. And the water was much higher and it was super cold. Okay. Um, and I got a, the water got up to my chest level and I instantly had an anxiety attack. And mm. this guy was just like, stand up. He's yelling at me. Just stand up. Just stand up. And I'm freaking out. I can barely hear him. He pulls me out the water and he's like, ma'am, do you want to continue this race? And I was like, no. <laughs> and that's when that was my breaking point. Otherwise, yeah. I would have done the I would have done the um the Spartan wow. Ultra Beats in that same month. Damn. You know, uh, and, and that's the thing. You have to know when 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 you can actually give yourself permission to actually say no yeah. to something. You know, that the, the what the thing is why Havelina sticks out as one of my favorite races, not because of it being my longest distance. Like, don't get me wrong, that's one of the things yeah. that I enjoy about it. But I love their style of washing machines, like uh, kind of style race where yeah. you can always see someone. They had to change um, that. Some... Yeah, they had oh, to change that with um, with uh, with COVID. They have everybody running oh. the same direction now. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, Maybe they'll bring that back. But that is yeah. cool. That yeah, I know a lot <laughs> of people who have done Leadville, DNF'd at Leadville up here in Colorado, and then gone down to Havilene Hundred and had a phenomenal time. So it's right. not that it's an yeah. easy course, but it's no, um, it's yeah. not. Now, especially if you're if you're a road like if you're mostly on roads like I am, it's a different element because it's the, there's different things. Like I mean, if you if you average a 13 minute mile on the road, like you're probably going to be faster than where you are in mm -hmm. a desert or, or on a technical trail. Yeah. Um, because there's certain elements that you have to work with. You have to know how to 
properly, you know, land your foot, to not twist up a couple of things, yeah. to not run into, um, you know, cacti. Um, <laughs> you know, like the, the these are, you know, thankfully yeah. I didn't run into one on the course, but I did run into one before I left. And I was just like, how did I miss this for 62 miles? Yeah. And I'm on my way to the airport and somehow I managed to hit cacti. Like, yeah. I, this doesn't make any sense. But what, the, the the mindset that you get there for, for doing something like that, um, I'm thankful for it because I was able to face a lot of demons that I suppressed. Were you doing as much calisthenics before that race? Did that expose weaknesses in your body that, that, um, that you came back to and strengthened up? Yeah. Um, it actually made me do more calisthenics. I realized that, um, I could use a little bit more abdominal work, um, at times. Um, and not just like a whole bunch of crunches and V ups. Like I think people see that and that's the first thing they think of, but you can do practical rotational twists standing, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I found that there's different ways that you can handle that. And that's what we're having a great coach. Um, they can see those things from a distance. Sometimes we're too close, too intimate to certain things that we don't realize like you can give yourself a little bit of wiggle room pull back just a little bit um change up your form just a bit you can modify like modif- modifications have been a lifesaver there's no way i could do box jumps if i didn't know how to properly land or to do step ups um in a certain way so that's definitely increased after hobbling okay okay yeah that was the um I'm I'm training for a 50 miler right now, and I I have noticed my my weaknesses are being really exposed right now. I have some serious yes. IT band issues and things like that that I'm I'm going to have to figure out before long here because I the the, the clock is ticking so to speak. So right. Um, what uh, where are you at on the multi sport journey? I know COVID sort of put the um, the uh, the brakes on it a little bit, but is that your goal as Ironman? Is that kind of the next big? Yeah, that's definitely one of those big things. Now, I don't know if I can be like my coach, Coach Morgan Lattimore. Um, he's amazing. Um, that his his <laughs> his race record um scares me. Um, I thought I was extreme, and I think that was the best thing that Hoka could have ever done for me was to find someone who has just as much of a colorful mm. personality, and to find someone who not only says it but they do it. And I need someone that can check me. Just the right way. Like they, the, I tend to be, I have a personality where if, if I'm working with you, especially on a one-on-one basis, I need someone who can actually know, they, they can read the room essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, they can look at me and say, this is not the day to be super tough. And this is not the day to basically be, uh, what is going on? Oh, sorry. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, I hear somebody shouting. I think it's coming from outside. I'm so sorry. I'll bring that back. Um, No, you're good. Yeah, but, you know, um, what I learned from my coach is that, you know, like you can, you can have a person that, that has an extreme, that have the perception of having an extreme personality type, but really it's more or less that, that you have to have balance. You have to have patience with yourself. You have to learn yourself over and over again, and you have to incorporate discipline especially when you don't want to do it mm. um with with coach morgan he recognized with me really quickly that i'm stubborn um i don't like being told to do certain things if you tell me i can't have a cookie i'll have five even though i'm not hungry for it <laughs> just because you told me i can't have and it and you'll make you eye know, contact so- <laughs> the whole time <laughs> right and make eye contact the entire time I'm like mm, these are great <laughs> these are great you know so He's learned how to work around my ego. Okay. So to make me, it's almost like having a really good 
teacher who doesn't tell you that you're doing wrong, he's going to he's going to do it as a show and tell. And he's like, all right. So I hope you know what you want to do that. Cool. Go ahead and do that. Uh, how do you feel now that I'm going to give you my actual workout? And it's just like, OK, maybe you're right. Mm. <laughs> you know, you, you got to find that person that works for you. But he's done. You know, he's done Iron Man's before, but he, um, I forgot what it's called. I think it's called Decaman. Okay. Um, or Decathlon Man or something of that nature, um, where you do, it's, it's basically like six Iron Man's um, okay. back to back to back. And this thing is insane. And I'm like, whoa, this man is really training for this. Yeah. Um, through him, I realized that we call things impossible because we haven't tried it. We haven't faced our fears that we paint this illusion that things are not approachable, but people do accomplish yeah. these things. They accomplish <clears throat> these things. Whether they have something working against them, they have things working for them. Um, I, I, he, he made me a believer. He made me see things inside of myself that I've been trying to suppress. And I, more than anything, he's much more than a coach, but I think that he's just a hell of a human being. Um, he's actually helped me so much through hardships and personal hurdles that I, I couldn't see myself when I would start questioning, like, why am I in this space? Yeah. Why am I openly sharing parts of my life? Is this too much? And he's just like, what's your why? And I'm like, oh, and I gave him some scripted that, that, you know, like you do enough of these interviews, right. you start to feel like you're scripted. And I told it to him and he looked at me and he said, bullshit. <laughs> and I was like, excuse me. And I was like, wait, hold up. I'm like, no, I do this because it makes me feel happy and I want to help people. And he's like, no, what's your real why? And I'm like, what if I don't have a why? And he's like, well, everybody has a why. You just haven't, you know, reached that, you know, that that area where you figured out what it is. By the yeah. time we were done with the conversation, I had rambled off something about emancipating myself to help others see the, the power within themselves. And he's like, there goes your why. Yeah. And that was powerful to me. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, your one of your tasks as being uh, a guest on the podcast is to suggest my one of my next guests. So maybe uh, maybe we'll have oh. Morgan on there. So oh yeah, Make definitely. Um, Morgan Lattimore is a definitely like one of my top fives. Um, you know, he's hands down not just a, a great coach, but he's a great human being, um, and super inspiring, and you know, and funny. Definitely, I'm like he, a funny dude. Um, he accomplishes a lot um he's you know in the military uh, I, I encourage anyone to really just listen to him for about five minutes yeah that's awesome there's you had said something that brought up um do you know the the marathon marcus yes i marcus have yes, yes, yeah. yes yes i do yes i had him on the podcast and you said something that reminded me of something that he oh it was the it was the inspirational the the notes that you took he yes. writes he writes his inspirational quotes on all of his energy gels which I loved the idea. I was like, oh man, that's perfect. <laughs> and then you just pull it out and you're like, oh, well, fuck that guy. That was a negative <laughs> one. <laughs> I gotta adopt that. Yeah, like, I, I, like, that I, I, I love that. Like I, I'm, for me, I'm, I'm obsessive about notepads and pens and being everywhere. And I tend to write myself out this long list of things that inspire me. So um, yeah, like I, I, I love that approach. Yeah, I love that one. Is lunch here. Lunch is served. Yes, I awesome. was like, I was like, oh, that's so sweet. He's making sure I'm eating because um, I am a workaholic. I'm, I'm definitely a workaholic. Um, where I don't do it enough. Oh, good, good, good. Um, <laughs> let me see. There was something else that I wanted to talk to you about on the multi-sport side of things, and I'm drawing a blank, so I will shift. Um, 
How have you been, uh, so, I mean, New York, obviously, describe the scene in New York these days with COVID, with regard to racing. Mm -hmm. um, you've been keeping your racing somewhat up with a bunch of virtual races and things, but um, are you, like, how are things looking in New York right now? Hmm. Uh, New York, um, it is, I'm kind of hurt, you know, um, when, when I think about just the feel, um, I've been, I've been in New York all my life. Um, and I'm so used to this being essentially like, it's not even an expression. It is literally the city that never sleeps. Yeah. And I don't know if this rest that we're going through is a good thing. At first, um, parts of me felt a little confused now. Like at first, I was actually scared to actually admit that I was appreciating the slowdown. Okay. I was appreciating how a lot of people were, were starting to get a little bit connected. I just didn't like the way right. that we started getting connected. Like the last time I remember seeing that in New York was 9-11. Okay. Where strangers would gather up and just console and see people for the humans that they are. Um, we're always busy and on the hustle and bustle. Is that that's kind of slowed down. Don't get me wrong. We're trying to get back into our groove. We're really resilient, but I don't think we're ever going to be that old New York that mm -hmm. we're used to. Um, you can see that even in the, in the running community, you can see that in the racing environment. Um, you know, I wonder about things and events like New York City Marathon, if these are going to be things that's, you know, a, a period in time where things were great and now we have to run and mask, yeah. you know, continuously, like not just, you know, because, you know, there's a vaccine out that this may be our new normal, mm -hmm. you know, um, for me, on a personal level, uh, my running um, definitely took a backseat last year. Um, so much so that I feel like a rookie all over again when I run. Um, because mentally, I, I kind of checked out. When people started looking at my post online, it was like, wow, mm. she's really powering through. And you're just making these home workouts look amazing. Mm. And I wish that I had that. And that it was uh, in so many ways I was trying to explain to my audience this is not to be admired. This is something that actually I'm showing you my struggle. Um, I was working out at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> like um, the bike, the, the, uh, that's how I, that's how I really started embracing multi-sport um, more than ever. Uh, cycling actually saved my life. Uh, um, so. Mentally, I was crumbling after I lost 13 people in two months from COVID. Oh. And wow. I'm still... Mentally, I haven't grieved. Mm. Um, that's the reason why I'm kind of like struggling right now. Like yeah. um, mentally, I haven't grieved the loss of all of those people within a two month span. I look back at pictures of me cooking for some of these people and having them in my home and realizing that's the last time I've seen them because I told them while I was training or while I was traveling for different races, oh man, 2020 is going to be a better year. I'm going to finally, I told myself in 2020, I was going to slow down mm. so I can actually take in some time for friends and family to never have that opportunity again, to know that in between me traveling, like I, I traveled a lot during uh 2019 uh yeah. for 365 days of the year i was home for about 90. wow 
Um, so it, I, I literally, I would come back home. My son would be a different size. He sounded like a different person. My wow. husband, you know, is basically connecting me to me from afar. I felt like I made him a single parent. Um, there's a lot of guilt that comes with that. And to know that now we're essentially forced to stay home yeah. and you can't even mourn the people who are leaving you, people who died too, too soon, uh, you know, in such a terrible way. Or something that felt like a cure wasn't in sight. And now I wonder, you know, I wonder if that could have been me. I mm -hmm. wonder, I wonder all these things. It made me paranoid to enjoy the things that I love. I love being outdoors. Yeah. Um, out, the outdoors is like a new home for me. I can run at nighttime. Like I know a lot of women are fearful about running at nighttime. In New York, I run on the, the beautiful thing about New York City, I can't say upstate, but New York City is that most of the streets are well lit at nighttime. And some of the people who I saw who were regulars, I would see some of these guys who were homeless. Sometimes on my run, I was I would say hi to someone who I saw regularly. Yeah. And I look forward to that. Like sometimes I would run and I would have headphones on, wouldn't listen to anything. And I was just listening to the silence of the street mm. because that's the only time that you got peace. And now... It's not the same, yeah. You know, um, it's it, you. Like, you can have a cheer section in New York without a race, yeah. And now, this is the most, this is the most awkwardly quiet moment that I'm used to, um, that I've ever been put around for New York City. Um, I hope that we do bounce back to yeah. some degree. Um, I do miss races, but I, I want, I just really want people to be safe. Um, yeah. you know, I know that the people are very conflicted about the whole mask on or mask off conversation as a trail runner. When you run, when you run in dirt, you, you're going to, you're going to put something on your face. Otherwise it's going to be in your nose and you'll be coughing up for a week. Havelina taught me that, you know, <laughs> and, um, yeah. you know, it's, it, it's been, uh, it's been hard. Yeah. It's been, it's been incredibly hard. The process. Yeah, I, I ask because we live in a fairly rural place in Colorado. We're outside of Boulder about 15 minutes and Denver about 20, 25 minutes. And so I don't, I mean, there's obviously a difference, but it's not, it's not so starkly different. You know, we're outside talking right. to neighbors and things and, you know, it's, it's, life doesn't feel that different, frankly. Right. And New York, two of my favorite places to run are New York City and the Vegas Strip. So I, I love mm -hmm. getting up at about four o'clock in the morning and going doing a long yes. run on the Vegas Strip for the same yes. reasons as New York City is because between the homeless people and the you know the the um, like restaurant workers arriving and the garbage men and just like the just that sort of like the the hustle and bustle before like before everything starts before everything up. starts going I just love it and just I, I don't know that I've always identified more with like blue collared types of sensibilities. And so you yeah. just, yeah. So it's, you know, the, just like the high fives. And I've had like drunk frat guys try to run with me. Just thinking it was hilarious. Like not, not yeah. being jerks or whatever, but it's just funny, right. you know? It's, yeah, same here. Yeah, so it's cool. And I love that. And so I just did, yeah, that was why I asked was being from, you know, in bed like it just has to feel like it's not even the same same city. And then how that, how that affects this thing that you love doing, whether it's riding or running or, you know, you do, it seems like a lot of your workouts on your front stoop or steps or whatever right. you call it um, right. out there, which is, uh, you know, like, I don't know. That's, um, yeah, it's gotta oh, be yeah. tough for you. It's definitely like, I mean, I've watched from my front steps of working out. Um, like I usually, like I, I started becoming really addicted to like um, playlists, to the green playlist 
Um, music is sometimes my escape. Um, and even though I don't really use it as much when I run, um, like with, with my, like I tend to like put on my headphones and I have one ear, um, earbud in, one earbud out because yep. I want to be, you know, aware of the things going on around me. And plus it helps for my conditioning sometimes to just listen to my breath work mm-hmm. to realize if I'm pushing myself too hard. Am I focusing on the beat of the sound? Um, and sometimes just to, like, you know, like the sound of outside and the chaos that is out there, it just sounds more entertaining to yeah. sometimes. As we've heard on this podcast with the sirens. (laughs) (laughs) The the countless sirens. Like that is the the New York thing. It doesn't matter how many quiet rooms I can try to put myself into, it's always gonna be there. But like what the thing that gets me um with doing those outdoor workouts and almost restricting my runs to only my neighborhood Mm -hmm. for an entire year, um I've literally watched history change. Um, from my front steps, you know, I, I watched marches. Um, I've, we've, you know, I've talked with neighbors that I never saw before because yeah. most of these people were at work or I was traveling. Um, you know, I've interacted with people who didn't think we had anything in common. Yeah. And, you know, it, you know, just from working out outside, it opened up other people. I started interacting with a neighbor who's two doors down who started doing workouts and pushups and learned how to do a pushup from watching me. And I didn't know, I didn't, she was, I didn't know she was watching me. And she was like, so that's what I've been doing wrong. And I was like, what? And, no she, and it's just like, and she's like, I've been watching you for like the last week. And I wow. realized that I'm putting my arms out too much. And now I know my neighbor's name. Huh. That I didn't know before. So it's it's a weird way yeah. of how we can still find the humanity, even from our own doorstep, even as we change. Mm. Um, I just hope that the good things that did come that is coming out of this, of like getting to know your neighbors, mm-hmm. of having more compassion for people, that we don't lose it. You know, uh, because yes. it's very easy for us to get caught up in the moment where it's like, all right, we're in survival yeah. mode. Now I need to work with this person. And in the moment that things start to go back to normal, yeah. we abandon all those things. Yeah. You know, we start to become really forgetful and say, well, um, back to real life. Yep, I'm you know, good now. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, so, uh, you know, uh, there's, there's good and there's good things and there's a lot of bad things that came out of um, the changes here. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough thing to, I mean, I, I kind of went through the same emotions as you when, when we started, um, like in some ways I wouldn't change a lot of the last year just in terms of being, you know, my wife and I now both work out of the home together. We would go on these great like 90 minute walks every single day. We hadn't, like we talked more in the first six months of the pandemic and everything than we had, Mm -hmm. frankly, in, I mean, maybe not 19 years, but probably since the kids were born and you just don't have time to like have those long moments together. So there was a lot of really positive things in that. I think on the the rat race side of things. It's always good to have these financial or otherwise resets, 9-11, and then the financial reset of 2008-9, that type yeah. of thing. And, you you know, yes. we we as humans are not good at taking stock of our own lives. We just aren't. We're not good at it. usually takes something either personally major, a heart attack, that type of thing, or, or you know, outward. So I agree with you. I hope, I hope that we... But we won't. We know we won't. <laughs> but I hope we can somehow take the good things and say, okay, these are things that we want to keep. Here are some bad things. Let's let's punt on 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 those things and get back to normal on those other things. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I you know, selfishly, I, w- I need racing to come back. Um, you know, yeah, it's not it's not the same with the virtuals. I like don't get me wrong. I yeah. 
I appreciate all of the efforts. Like I was able to do a couple of duathlons virtually. Um, I've done a couple of races um, virtually, but I, I kind of feed, I feed off the energy of people. 100%. Um, and I, I miss being able to meet a random stranger and getting to learn them. Like the, the one thing that I've noticed with being so public about my journey, because I share it so much that people are just like, Oh my God, I know you and this is and this. And then cool. people, they, they feel compelled to not share their story because they feel like in comparison mm. is lackluster. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like the storyteller in me yeah. is really like, itching to learn someone else's story i'm like yeah. i put out my story all day long like i tell people different layers of my story and different variations or different segments of my story all day long and i'm just like i would love to read someone mm. <laughs> you know yeah. i would love to be able to take in the things that you may be taking for granted that i just want to learn from your different experience what is it to, to grow up in japan what is it to to, you know, to do running this way? What is it yeah. to be around an elite runner? Like being able to be in a room with, when I was able to actually join up with Hoka Oni Oni for the last time physically in person. And I was in the room with a myriad of athletes, you know, from different disciplines. And I was able to sit down and just have a beer with them and talk yeah. back. And you get to talk with an elite athlete. And I'm just like, wow, so that's what hurdle you have going on yeah. in your head. Yeah. And it's like, some of these are not much different than mine. It's just that the way we go about it is completely different. Like right. my goal is not to make first place. It's not even to make 10th place. But I realize how many things that don't get covered. Yeah, you, you can't get that really from a virtual environment. Like, you know, even when... I go on my trainer and I go on my smart trainer and I go onto my Ruby app. And right now my friends are trying to talk me into Zwift. Um, you get to talk with people, but it's, it's another form of social media to me. Yeah. Um, when you do that for, for work, it becomes work. And I'm just like, I, I need human interaction. Yeah. I need to be able to take advantage of those moments where I can really be in the presence of someone. Sometimes I go to, the supermarket or I go for a walk. And even though that person have on a mask, I can see their smile or that glance yeah. just from their eyes or a warm interaction or that whistle. And it becomes home yeah. for me. That's you know? the thing that scares me that, that makes me saddest are the people who are allowing the mask to be much bigger than the thing that's covering their mouth and their nose. And they're, not saying hello, they're not making eye contact, they're not giving a wink, they're not giving a wave, especially on on trails and things. Like I'm right. that's the thing that really scares me is like my kids are like, oh, I don't care if I wear, you know, like it doesn't bother them as much as it bothers me, yeah. you know. Kids are resilient and they don't have yeah. like that much life experience versus us. We've experienced certain things and we've grown accustomed to things yeah. that we become nostalgic about. Kids are like uh, we're yeah. gonna adapt. They're so much like stronger than us sometimes yeah. mentally than we give them credit for. Yeah, but it scares me that they don't miss the smiles and the winks and the waves and all that kind of stuff. That's what really makes me very, very nervous about the future and and the reason. You know, like we've got to figure this thing out. Like we have to figure it out because we are human. And I love being amazed. I love seeing beauty. I love seeing people do amazing things. And like that's. Um, again, selfishly on the racing side, every time I've been to a race, I'm amazed by something. I'm amazed by your story. I love seeing it. I love seeing you, you know, uh, do the things that you're able to do in the face of everything that is, you know, uh, 
real or imagined these these barriers that are put up in front of you and you're just like you know you're you're pushing through them you're doing it with a smile you're doing it with an attitude and i love it so um yeah i just we got to get over this got to get back yeah no we, we will like i mean the thing is like you know every period of time uh we've gone through something you know uh we've gone through something you know, whether it was talking about war, whether it was talking about, you know, health, whether it was talking about, you know, a collective, you know, struggle. We, the one thing about humans is that we, we may, we may have to sometimes go through this trial and error process, but we're resilient. Yeah. And that, that and, and we will adapt, you know, and, uh, you know, it does, it, it does kind of scare me too, especially as an extrovert. It scares me a lot when I hear those similar comments from my own son, who's just like, okay, I'm not bothered. And he will literally stay inside of a room. Like when I think about like, it's always been almost a year and we had to push him over time to really want to go outside, especially with the video games. Yeah. And like, you know, we, like, I mean, we're, we're 70 and eighties babies, you know, we're, like your parents will tell you, go outside, you know, go play with something, go play with a stick. And that was entertainment, yeah. you know? <laughs> and, and now, you know, our kids kind of get caught up in the social yeah. media bubble where we don't feel the need to interact with people on a personal level. Like, I feel like you lose a certain skill. Yeah. Yeah. When you don't know how to interact with people when they're in front of you to really live yeah. an experience. We see that with our smartphones, yeah. where you can be in a room with 10 people and everybody's glued to their phone. And they're looking down like this instead of taking in the moment. 100%. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, you said it like, honest to God, I don't remember my mom ever one time in my life telling me to go outside and play. Right. It was usually, <laughs> it was hey, punishment. where the hell have you been <laughs> no. all day? You know, right. it was like, what the hell? I mean, I, you know, yeah, we would wake up and it was like, you know, scarf a bowl of cereal and you're out. I mean, <laughs> and, yeah. So anyway, I've kept you too long. We normally do a little 10 question dash. You want to answer some questions real quick? And oh yeah, let's awesome. do it. All right, let's we do it. Gotta do it. <laughs> Get our theme music cranked up here. Uh oh. All right. So um, first question, what is your, what is your gear looking like? You've mentioned Hoka a few times. What are the, what are the brands that you're, you're repping these days? Oh my gosh. Um, Hoka, I love small companies. Um, I love companies like Girl, G-R-R-R-L. Okay. Um, I love them. Female-based company, super fit hero, super inclusive company. I love them to death. I love having my Garmin, which I do not have on right now. Um, I don't know where I've actually put it. I think I charged it. Um, I love living with my Garmin um, because it not only keeps track of my steps, but I love being able to put on this to track other things of what maybe it's something that I'm missing. Maybe I'm improving in some type of area. Um, and then there's, of course, like socks. Socks and um, chamois. Um, chamois cream has been my best friend because um, I can get really TMI. That some things will <laughs> light up, um, especially as a plus-size athlete. Uh-huh. Certain things kind of touch a little bit too much. So <laughs> That's a rubbing. I, yeah, so like squirrel nut butter has been my, um, my best friend and my pal. Um, I put it in all the areas that matter and even under the armpits because those yep. are one of the areas that we sometimes neglect to look at as runners when we're moving and that back and forth friction is just horrible. Awesome. So cool. horrible. Cool. <laughs> we will we will mention the, uh, and then uh, I know Trek is, uh, you're on the ambassador team there yes. and I was admiring your, oh my gosh. your two-wheeled I, I, I machine. I, d I just love them, not only as a company, but um the work that they they put in with me like um when it came down to allyship um the things i didn't have to ask for you know like being able to actually you know stand up and say hey listen we're going to take a stance against injustice and they did that without prompt 
when they started seeing those comments rolling and it's just like, hey, we're not going to censor anybody, but we're going to tell you, like, yeah. keep it, you know, keep it honest and keep it respectful, you know, um, and that was enough to actually say, yeah, this is the team I want to be a part of. Cool. That's <laughs> awesome. That is awesome. Uh, what's your next race? Ah, oh, I signed up for a duathlon. Um, I believe it's a Central Park duathlon. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's either the Central Park duathlon or another one, but I know it's with New York Try. Okay. Um, cool. and I believe that comes up in March. So it's either, yeah, it's either Central Park duathlon or it might be March Madness. Okay. And, um, it's going to be a, a duathlon of run, bike, run. Uh, I did sign up for a triathlon and I am praying that I am at least halfway decent. Okay. With being able to pull out 800 meters. <laughs> uh, where is it at? Um, this is going to be, um, this is actually going to be in Central Park as well. So it's a okay. small, it's, it's a small, I figured that I'd sign up for a sprint or at least like a, like a super sprint, I guess is what they would consider okay. it. Where's and the swim? Is the swim is going to be in the pool. If not, it's going to okay. be actually in open water, which scares me yeah. because it's a different environment. Well, you'll but, do great. Right. That's, that's the way I, you, like the thing is like you, you do some of these things scared. Almost everything that we sign up yeah. for, we do is scared. Yeah. You know, the thing with open water swims is, and, and I, this screwed me, I'm, I'm like really polite. And so like, I'm like bumping elbows and stuff. And I, and I'm literally apologizing to somebody as I'm swimming, as I'm sinking. And it's like, dude, no, you just gotta, the thing with open water swimming is, is swim your swim. Don't worry about bumping somebody. Right. Just keep, keep the strokes coming. And, uh, and yeah, just keep going. So um, you're probably the kindest person I saw in the water because, uh, I, I've had people that swim in the, in the, I mean, I'm talking about 70, 80 year olds who are just looking at me like, move your ass. And I'm, just, <laughs> I'm like, I'm yeah. sorry. And they're like, just focus on your swim. And I'm just like, uh, okay. I'm like, these are some vicious older folks. Yeah. <laughs> There's well. like no apologies. Like you just have to focus on that swim. Mm. And that was like the biggest thing that I had to get accustomed to the, the knocking and the pushing yeah. that sometimes happens yeah i love it i hate it and i love it it's my favorite part of the triathlon i just there's something about it where the whole time i'm cursing myself but as i'm dragging myself right. out of the water i'm like god i love that right it's like wrestling in the water i love it it's perfect it, yes that's exactly what yeah. i feel like because you don't realize how sore you are yeah or how hangry it can turn you into until you get out the water that is true uh do you have like a favorite sports book or movie or something that you turn to for inspiration Oh my gosh. Um, anything that involves um, Muhammad Ali. Okay. I am a huge Muhammad Ali fan. Um, I will pretty like I, I soak up the Ali movie um, like nobody's business. Um, I will say that Rocky was one of my favorite movies. It was definitely one of my favorite movies. Yeah. But yeah, like any anything that, um, that any documentary, yeah. honestly, um, is, uh, is like my way to go. Um, any type of like sports history, um, yeah. it don't even have to be in sports that I'm interested in. It can be about soccer yeah. and I'll just sit there and watch it for hours. And they're like, um, you really found this entertaining? Yeah, yeah I do. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you. I, I love them. We, we, we watch a ton of that. Have, do you seen the new, is it the, was it the night in Miami or whatever it is? The one with Ali and, and, uh, no. I want to see that. What's the name of that? that? Why am I drawing a it's, blank um, on that? It's, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to the same thing. No, um. Oh my gosh! It's not no because Rumble and the Jumble it was uh, that was uh, that's the the name of the, um, the match. Um, yeah, shit, I can't remember. We'll come, we'll come back. I'll put yes, this will come back to us. What's your um? What's your favorite race that you've done so far? Oh my gosh, that's hard. Um, 
trying to figure out if it's my first New York City marathon, okay. which was 2015, or if it's actually Havelina. Okay. Because as much as I had sucky moments, I cannot forget the people. Yeah. I cannot forget the people and the way that that impression, uh, the way that it spoke to me. Um, it, that that was a good one. But if I would, was going on a shorter event, it was actually the Pride Run in 2014. Okay. I wore two two. Um, I wore a green tutu because I'm super extra. I wore a green tutu um, and I got it on my wall. I have on stockings. I had on a crop top that was cotton. Please don't wear cotton, friends. Um, (laughs) And I remember they caught me in this photo and I was just running. Um, I was sick as hell that day. Oh, no. And for some reason, I started getting moved by the people. And I I probably did like a 12 minute pace during this time, but it was the people that was out there. And it was my friend that was on the side where they didn't get in the picture. And my friend is screaming at me, you better run your ass. I don't want to hear that. And like, he's just like, he's just like heckling me from the side, but it was like, it was all in good spirit. So that's like one of my favorite shorter distances. That's cool. I love that. Um, Are you doing Havelina again this year? I want to. I uh, definitely. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to actually just um, I'm just going to pull the trigger and just do it because I think that will give me the incentive to really put in the mileage that yeah. I secretly crave. Yeah. I'm just not looking forward to the first month. The first month is going to suck. Well, you know, but just just think about the last month. Right, right, right. When when you're like, okay, fuck this. Yeah. Just yeah. <laughs> give me the race and yeah. just put it out there. No, I, I think that I think that Havelina will give me, and plus I have enough time. Yeah. It'll give me enough time to really get back into the heart and soul of running. I cool. miss the race environment. Yeah, yeah. Well, keep me keep me posted. I think I may do the sixty um, or the hundred k, the sixty miler on that yes. one. Yes, so. you got to do it. You got to <clears throat> do it. It's so much fun. It's so much fun, and everybody's like super excited on the course. Cool. All right. Well, yeah. Let's stay in touch on that one. What is your uh, what's your bucket list race? What what's the mm. race you haven't done that you really want to get out there and do? Um, I was thinking about um. Ashley was uh, Iron Man. Ashley is a, uh, I mean, definitely, I haven't touched any Iron Man, but um, I'm talking about the full. Um, like, I think his Iron Man niece. Okay. Um, I just want to go to France. Um, <clears throat> and Why I not? want, I just like for me, I'm just like, if I'm going to do like a full Iron Man, I want yeah. it to be in another country. Yeah. Um, I want it to be in some pure water. Um, I want it, I just want to just, Taking an, ex- an entire experience that even if the race suck, I'm like, just look to the left. I you know, <laughs> it's, it's yeah. almost like doing the Big Sur Marathon. Like the Big Sur Marathon, I got up to mile 20 and I got pulled off the course. And I was like, you know what? This is what I'm not going to fight on. I'm not going to fight on this DNF. I'm going to get in this van because it's a hard course. Yeah. But when you look to the, when you look to the left, um, it's like looking at a Bob Ross painting. That's yeah. the, the best way to describe it. I'm like, look at the pretty little clouds. We're just going to uh, take away that little error, even though you feel like hell. That's awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. That's kind of where I'm at, too, in my my racing career. Is like I look at the Xterras, and I look at some of the um, the Odeo, Odolo, Odeo, the swim run stuff, and like these amazing locations. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I want. I want to race like three or four times a year but make them really kick-ass venues. Right. Yeah. Right. All right. What's your uh, home stretch song or band on your playlist? What's that thing oh that gets God. you across the finish line when you need a little extra? Oof. Um, man, I'm now going to think about this one. Um, 
I don't want to say I already tired. That's that's one of those um those cliche ones, and I'm just like, oh my god! I'm just like, if I hear that song again, that lose um, yourself is a good. You mentioned Eminem earlier. Yeah, wow, yeah, lose yourself. Oh yeah, like I'm a I'm a hardcore Eminem fan. Um, I would probably lose my mind. Um, Marilyn Manson is kind of controversial right now. Um, that, that kind of kills my heart. I'm a, I was I know, a Marilyn tough. Manson fan. Um, I'll tell you, I I, I, the one thing that I've learned in my life is if I if I if I limited my musical, especially musical, but musical and movie taste to like people's behavior and other things, it's like, oh, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't give anybody free passes. I don't want to go have coffee with some of the, you know, the people, right. but, <laughs> but you got to find music that moves you, you know? Right. Yeah. Like, cause I mean, cause like almost everything that comes to mind was like, um, <clears throat> you know, like the beautiful, like I think of beautiful people, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think of, you know, I think of like Marilyn Manson songs and I'm just like, oh, I cannot disassociate the human now yeah, it's tough from the music so like yeah that's like a tough one for me you know um probably happy though when uh when i do when i get okay. that runner's high yep. happy is like one of those feel-good songs that makes me open up my stride yeah that's cool what's your most embarrassing song on the playlist oh shit you got some like <laughs> just cheesy pop there you're just like i don't want yes. anybody to know i'm listening to this definitely um definitely any spice girl song okay very good. <laughs> any spice girl i I, 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 I love i love them like yeah. i don't know what it is like i mean i think of spice of your life and i'm just like i instantly feel like i want to like vogue and dance with them and do that cheesy damn dance that they did because i thought i was sporty spice before mm. i was into into sports i was like I'm sporty spice. I'm awesome. Like, you can't tell me I'm not her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Luckily, nobody's asked me that question. So, right, all right. Right. You're going to get there one <clears throat> That's day. right. <laughs> Do you have any pre-race superstitions or rituals other than your uh, the notes to yourself? Oh, man. Um, use the bathroom at least three times. Okay. Um, because you don't want to be a shit emoji. <laughs> um, you, yes, definitely use the bathroom. <laughs> the bathroom is your friend. Even when you think that you had it, you used it enough. Nope. Um, yeah. Definitely do it. Um, I do electrolytes um, at least 30 minutes before my race. Um, I like to kind of like get it in two hours. Um, my breakfast is typically mostly the same. Okay. Um, is a nice balance of carbs and protein. Um, what do you normally and, make? Um, for me, I like omelets. I love, I like, I like doing like different types of omelets, not like the traditional, the cheese omelet or whatever. Like I would throw in oxtails. Mm. Um, I would throw in pieces of chicken nice. and I would just make like a killer omelet or it's, if I do go super basic, it's probably oatmeal, but it's loaded up with like honey yeah. and a whole bunch of other stuff. What I learned <clears> is not to eat beets for breakfast. That was my rookie mistake. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm kind of weird like that. I had beets, um, for breakfast and then I didn't realize why everything was coming out red and I yeah. thought I was dying. I'm, I'm, it's, <laughs> what, what, you know, like the first yeah. year mistakes are brutal, especially when you don't do enough research. Well, <laughs> I mean, living in Colorado and doing, and doing Leadville races and things like that, beet juice is like everybody's right. chugging beet juice. And yes, you have to get used to what you're going to see for the next few days. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to get graphic. Like, yeah. I mean, like, like the biggest thing, like, I mean, the reason why my blog started off with talking about, you know, hi, my name is Latoya and I shat on myself at Mount Four. <laughs> it's literally like, it's because I was asking this question to a couple of people and that's like, we don't talk about that. Yeah. But in the trail running community, oh, please, we, oh, we're yeah. obsessed about these conversations. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, dick was my people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, there's the expression, don't ever shake hands with a trail runner wearing one sock. No. 
No, no. <laughs> I, I've, I've unfortunately been there. Um, it is not pretty. That's it is it. not pretty. I'm just like, mm -mm. I'm like, no, I'm like, can we just kind of like, you know, arm bump and spare it? Because you don't, you don't want to do That's that. It. <laughs> All right. Living or dead, who would you most like to share a long run or ride or adventure with? Oh, she does not want to sound like a parrot. Um, no, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna say Muhammad Ali. I was gonna. gonna I, that's who I thought you were gonna say. I, I, I literally like that was the first person that came to mind. Like I love Muhammad Ali, but I will not say Muhammad Ali. I would actually say my dad. Okay. Um, I, I really there's some uh, there's some conversations that I just want to be able to get back and just have with him and come to a level of peace with him. Um, that you did your best. Yeah. You did the best that you could with the circumstances that you were handed. And I just want him to know that I'm equally proud of him like he is of me. So it'd be more things that you'd want to tell him rather than questions. Yes, yeah. definitely. But definitely, and I'm like, just, you know, sometimes as parents, we don't know if we're doing enough. Um, and sometimes we're, uh, I think that we lose certain parts of ourselves when we yeah. become parents. I hear you. Um, that we just become, we get sucked into the role. So for me, it would be so cleansing to be able to say, you aren't perfect. But you were perfect enough to me for me to be able to be proud of who you are. He's one of my biggest role models. That's nice. That's uh, yeah. That's good. All right, Latoya. Final question. Uh oh. What's the secret? Oh. <laughs> do better every damn day. Um, don't compare yourself to who you were yesterday. Don't compare yourself to the person that you want to be in the future. It's just basically acknowledging your wins wherever they may come. So if it means that today you pulled out 10 push-ups, then you did two you did 10 push-ups. If it means today that your biggest accomplishment is getting out of your bed and that's all you can do, that is a win because you're here. So that's really like the biggest, biggest secret um, for me. Boom. Love it. That's awesome. Yes. That is cool. Well done. All right. Well, that's awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate Thank it. Yeah. Thank you is, so much for inviting me. Oh, I'm glad I reached out. I really am. I'm, and I'm glad we were able to hook it up so quickly. Yes. Yeah. Anything. Um, so you are, again, you have two Instagram accounts that I am um, yes. following. So you are uh you it's, are yeah it's my i am yeah i am el and then i have okay. my running fat chef yes and that, that the running fat chef is mostly it's basically all food yeah <laughs> it's, nice. it's all food my i am el account like it's a mixture of everything is food fitness um culture and f words yeah. um <laughs> yeah. and i'm telling you everybody like i'm serious if you just like Go check out some of these workouts that she's doing. They're they're awesome. They're inspiring. And, and frankly, there was some like I was taking notes of things that I want to do on the on the gym side. So you do, you have some really good core workouts, especially. Thank you. Yeah, Thanks, Matt. Cool. It's, it's one of my favorite tortures. Um, it's my favorite pastime. Um, and whenever I can't go outside for a run, which now I'm going to incorporate a little bit more again. Um, I just I just love being able to just take in the moments. Like sometimes, especially now, like. You know, as parents, as people who are working from home, so um, the efforts are not killing your family. You know, sometimes you just need to kind of steal yeah. those 30 minutes to an hour of doing something that's just for you. Yeah. And that's what I, I get when I do these at-home workouts. Yeah. Well, and if you're driving or walking through Bed-Stuy and you see uh, mm -hmm. five foot three Dynamo doing some some amazing kettlebell and right. medicine ball workouts on the front stoop, that that that's your gal right there. Right. You, you better say hi. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's like it. sometimes I get people and they'll tell me afterwards and they're like, hey, 
I think that was you, but I didn't want to say anything. And I'm like, oh, so you was the person that was staring from across the street that was looking like a creeper? That's cool. <laughs> um, next time you see me, you better say hi. <laughs> That's awesome. It's happened so many times. And they're like, oh, my God, she's real. And I'm like, I'm not a creature. That's funny. I'm not your imagination. Just say <clears throat> hi. I promise I won't bite. That's awesome. <laughs> That is super cool. Well, we will include all of these links and everything else in the show notes. So um, thank you again for coming on. So thank you. Yeah, that is the show, folks. Hope you enjoyed it. More people racing more often, having more fun in the process is our mission at Athlinks. Thanks again to Latoya Shantae Snell. Oh, I know it's a tongue twister right there. Uh, AKA Run Fat Chef. So again, we'll have the notes in there. We do a special post for each episode on Instagram. So look for the post with episode 33 with a beautiful picture of LaToya. If you have comments or questions, we are at Athlinks or shoot us an email to podcast at athlinks.com. Um, yeah, that was a hard one. Um, yes. <laughs> the best way to support this podcast is to click subscribe on iTunes or follow on Spotify to be notified of new shows. Share it far and wide with anyone you think will enjoy it. And please take a second to give us a quick rating and a review on iTunes. And until next time, happy racing, everybody. Boom, we did it. Awesome. Uh, thank you so it. much. Yeah, it was great. Yes, yeah, sorry about all the New York City sound. Oh, it's sound. good. I like the ambiance, actually. It's, it's kind of nice. <laughs>